Well, well. What a glittering assemblage, King Stefan. Royalty, nobility, the gentry, and... <laughs> How quaint. Even the rebel. I must say, I really felt quite distressed at not receiving an invitation. You're not welcome here. <laughs> oh dear. What an awkward situation. Welcome, 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 welcome to the podcast that puts the plus in Disney Plus. It's Talking the Mickey. My name is Ian. My name's Ellie. I'm Ethan. And I'm Georgia. And we did that much better than we did last week. Well done, <laughs> us. <laughs> and legitimately first take. I'm not even going to do that bit where you're sarcastic going, oh, and first take. No, we really <laughs> did it on the first take. I was so. just hoping and praying that Ethan would pick up. Yeah. That it was him first, and he did. He did pick it up that he was him first. And he also I... picked up this week a new microphone, I'm being told. Yeah, so I'm not going to have to be, like, shouting into my mic from, like, right up close. I've got a nice little bit of distance, and it sounds so much better than before. It's going to be interesting to see if you remember that or if muscle memory does what it sometimes does, and we just fall into bad habits. There's going to be a point, I think, halfway through this where I'm, like, really close to it, and it's just going to be distortion the entire time, and I won't realize. Yes, so if, if, if it should go into a bit of distortion, or if it should go a little bit whatever, please, uh, we're just... Just, just a little bit of patience today. We've just got some growing pains with some new kit. And I think that's going to be the long and the short of it. I'm jealous. I have a new mic coming, but it shows up tomorrow. So I've got new mic envy right now. <laughs> so there we go. Um, so big thank you to anybody out there who's downloaded this episode, whether this is episode number one for you or episode number 30. Oh, I want to say seven. 37 sounds right to me. Yep. Oh, 37 it is. Look at that. Making the graphics probably helps. Say almost as if you run the podcast. Almost. Almost. (laughs) No, I just come on and do do the voice stuff and you guys guys do all the heavy lifting. We don't do anything else. You guys do the editing. You guys do. And I just sort of show up and go, what are we talking about today, guys? We just talk and download it, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I like films. I I, I don't even watch the film half the time. I just sort of, (laughs) I print off a synopsis off of Wikipedia and just riff on what you guys say. He does the other (laughs) other way around. He reads the book. Yes. (laughs) So, um, and just some, uh, some some big thank you specifically to a few nations where we just seem to be doing rather well in these days. First off, my homeland of Canada. We hey. are a, we were oh, a top Canada. twenty. We were a top twenty film podcast this week in Canada. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, we have done well in Hong Kong, Ethan. I don't know if it was our comments about Hong Kong. We are trending now. That might not be a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> because we sort of had some veiled commentary a little bit on. Um, on the Mulan and the actress and her her feelings towards um was it was it police in the Hong Kong? Yeah, it was towards the protest, which to be fair, since the episode came out, so much more stuff came and I can't believe it keeps getting worse. Yes. That's pretty that could be the theme like if, if twenty twenty needed a tagline, I can't <laughs> believe it keeps getting worse. Sounds like it would be a logical next step. We're also doing well in Taiwan. We're a top 25 podcast in Taiwan, top 25 film review podcast. We're back in the charts here at home in the good old UK. 
Whoop, whoop. And you know what? I know Canada is my homeland of birth, and uh, it's the UK is half of the panel's, you know, birthplace, and it's half of ours adopted kind of homeland. But we've said long and for a few weeks now that uh, Japan is the unofficial home of talking to Mickey, <laughs> and we continue to chart very strongly in Japan. So thank you oh, to Japan. Um, I'd still love to go if anyone wants you, to hook us up. You deserve to have a Disney park, I've decided. <laughs> they deserve their park. They can keep it. It's a nice park. So um, some shout-outs. Some shout-outs, as is our want. Uh, Dwayne Smith. Dwayne Smith. Dwayne Smith. There's your shout from me. Who said that having Georgia shout his name out was the highlight of And that it should be a feature. And he told me that um, Moana had a special place because he watches, but his daughter loves Moana. And so it was great to sort of watch that. And he also said that he takes his title of friend of the podcast very seriously. (laughs) Good, he should. (laughs) And that's what you want to do with a Disney podcast is take things very serious because we're a very serious group of people. And uh, Carlo, who was uh, at ThiefCGT on Twitter, he's just a good follow, um, good for movie stuff. And then a final, maybe melancholic, somewhat a somber shout out to our friends, the Drink Drunk Dead podcast, who have always been first, I think they were the first other podcast to really kind of champion the Disney podcast, like our, our our Disney sister podcast, and really go, these guys are great. Usually we get a lot of love on the BFE side, and they go, and they also do a Disney podcast too. And they were the ones who went, no, no, the Disney one is, is, is really, really strong, and they always recommended that one first. And they are going on hiatus. Yeah. Which is a shame, because they do good work. And I was I, disappointed I, I to hear that. I always love their episodes. Yeah, they, they, it's, we started at the same time, and they're just a little bit ahead of us in the journey. It's like they're like a week ahead of us at all times. Yeah. And when they're coming up to, to a benchmark, we're coming up to the same benchmark on, on, on BFE. But 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 they, it, they've kind of been sort of with us on that journey at the same time. And so um, good luck to everyone, to, to you folks at the Drink Drunk Dead podcast. And come back soon. Come back soon. You, you shall be missed. And that is about that. So that really just leaves us. I think we've actually gotten through the opening gambit in five minutes and 38 seconds. So that leaves us with plenty of time to talk about this week's selection. And so this is where we go. Oh, before we do that, look at that. I totally missed this. Ethan, <laughs> and we've got some news to talk about, actually. So forget that five minutes yeah, and 38 seconds thing. Around. This is a significant amount of stuff today. Uh, yeah, there was some news that got announced maybe like 30 minutes before we started recording. And that would and be? that is, there is a Nick Fury Disney Plus show uh, coming soon at some point. I literally just saw that on Facebook just before we started recording. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. Now, we just did a Samuel L. Jackson film in The Hitman's Bodyguard on yeah, Best Film Ever. <laughs> uh, by the time this hits, it'll be the second last episode because we'll have something in between. We'll, we'll have our episode of seven will be on by now. But... Something tells me the, the line TikTok motherfucker is not going to make its way into the Nick Fury, although I would love it if he did. Oh, please. He's tr- I want an R-rated he's, Nick Fury he's trying to get like He's trying to get like Tony. We can do a flashback to him like trying to get Tony Stark yeah. to join the Avengers. He's like, come on, TikTok motherfucker. <laughs> Buckle up, motherfucker. <laughs> just, just, just use all of his verbiage and just like put like a lazily put like a CGI eye patch. <laughs> over it oh no like just like a face painted one and he has to be winking yeah. the whole time there we go so there's gonna be a nick fury show do we have any idea of a timeline on this uh not really it just is just we don't know when it's coming out we don't know what the story is we just know that it'll be sam jackson being nick fury at a point in time 
Okay. I'm assuming it will be like set during that that little tease we got at the end of Spider-Man Two. Yes. Be, which would be nice. Yes. Yeah, it could be all right. Um, we won't give anything away in case someone hasn't seen that yet. So we'll just kind of leave that nice nicely there. Uh, it's interesting because Disney Plus, this is a good segue actually, potentially. Disney Plus seems to be the one location where things can be released. And things, so we, we have some news of something that's not going to be released and pushed back. And something that we see definitely is going to be released. And we got a trailer. Which one should we talk about first, Ethan? I'll let you choose. Uh, I guess we'll go sort of what will be in the timeline. So Division got a trailer. Um, it did get a trailer. A few days ago. And it looks really, really interesting. Well, this is really, really divisive. People either love this or they hate this. Have we all seen the trailer? I've not seen it yet. Oh, my word. Because I'm really nervous to watch it because Scarlet Witch is my favorite. <laughs> I watched it and I finished it and I went, I don't know how anybody could not like this. I am so up for WandaVision after seeing this. There were two There were two big parts where I went, oh. Because I, I love when uh, comic shows or movies sort of hint at the goofy costumes and there are two little little costume references that made me go, oh, I'm very, very excited to see how they're doing this. Is this the bit where it looks like they're dressing up for Halloween and it's kind of in the classic yeah. costume, uh, classic comic yeah. costume? Yeah. It looks so it looks so goofy and nice. And because you're going to play it that it's going to be like back in time and it's going to yeah. be Halloween, you can get away with the fact that the, the costumes look, look, look naff. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 interesting. I think they said it's coming around December Thanksgiving time. So December nice. December's when I have yeah. heard. Yes. Yeah. Ellie, did you see it? The trailer? Uh kind of half saw it, yeah. Yeah. Any thoughts on it or Um It it looks interesting. It looks like it's a bit different. Um Okay. I I can't really remember that much about their storyline in in the Marvel films. Oh, so they, far, it, so was, it, it was a, it was a very them. small part of Infinity War of the two of them. Yeah. I was going to say it's very, very, very small. Scarlet Witch is just really awesome. <laughs> it was a big part of Infinity War. It was a whole subplot, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, but um, maybe, maybe next week though, you can watch it, Georgia. I will watch it, yeah. and you can comment on it because I really have a hard time thinking. But there are some people who are very vocal against this trailer. Yeah, it's really strange. I haven't seen loads of negativity, but the negativity I've seen is just, oh, it looks really stupid, it looks really corny, but I like that uh. they're going I like they're going more out there and throwing stuff at the wall, because my main issue with like phase two of Marvel and a bit of phase three is it's very samey and I want I like that they're expanding. Like I know that there are two characters that are showing up as sort of show regulars as the like wacky hijinks kind of people, and you got uh oh god, uh Darcy from Thor 1 and 2. Uh, oh, God, I can't remember her uh, name. Kat Dennings. Kat Dennings. And Randall Park, who was the FBI agent in Ant-Man 2. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, oh, I like so, him, yeah. Very much so. Yeah. yeah. So good, they're good sort of like keeping up or something to find out what, what's going on. So well, be, for me, be interesting to see. I was really excited because they had a couple over for dinner. And the, and the older lady who was over for dinner was, uh, she played Kitty on How I Met Your Mother, not How I Met Your Mother, that 70s show. Oh, really? And she also played, do you remember on Friends? Did anybody ever see Friends? Anybody a Friends fan here? Yeah. Frank yeah. Jr., like Mary's his teacher. Oh, what, oh my God. Oh, what's her mama? name? What is her name? I have no idea. Her character name? Yeah. Like, I have no idea. Elaine or something, I feel? No, nah, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. anyway, she was that character as well. So she's, she's it was very, and for it to be set almost in the 70s, 80s, like it was very much like her back <laughs> in that 70s show. I was like, this is so weird. But she's like 20 years older. I'm like, this is so weird. <laughs> but she's got a voice and a laugh, and I'm hoping she's a series regular. That would make it a must watch. For, it already is, but it would make it very much a must watch for me. 
I'm looking I'm forward to it. I'm intrigued by the mysterious woman character because she's played by I can't remember. Her Is this the one name. in the car who says along the lines of, uh, "Are you? Am I? Am I, am I dead because you are?" Yeah, yeah very yeah. interesting. Very, very I'm, interesting. I'm looking forward to it because she played. Um, oh, um, she played Leslie's opposition in Parks and Rec during the um, when she was going for city councilman. She was um, oh, okay. Yeah, oh, I can't remember her name, but she was uh, Paul Rudd's like defendant attorney kind of person. Oh, her, yes, 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 yeah. yeah so she, really she, she, she kind of had a, a she kind of had a recurring role as like uh, an attorney or like a spin doctor, yada yada yada. I've got a theory for who she is. But it's mainly just, I think it links into what they're setting up for Doctor Strange 2. And oh. if that's true, then I'm so excited. Okay, let's just shelve that to the side. We can, we can revisit that one. And then finally... Fact we check should... corner. Her name is Alice. Alice. And Alice. Alice right. Knight. And then fact check... Oh, the fact check corner. One last mm-hmm. thing. We need to talk about... Uh, it's interesting. Scarlet Witch gets a release date, sort of. Black Widow gets a different release date. And we're pushing this back to, I think it's May? Yeah, May 7th for um, Black Widow Eternals is uh, November 5th, and Shang-Chi, which I didn't even realize they'd filmed, is yeah. July 9th now. Yeah, the whole the whole Marvel uh, upcoming schedule has been pushed back as a result. And I think, on a total side note, it's not Disney-related, but I think, uh, I, think this, I think this clearly shows the first that Mulan did not do what it needed to do. On premium video on demand, and as a result, nothing else is going to be going out that 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 method. None of the big names are going to come out that method, which would suggest to me that you've got James Bond is next on the chopping block. Not that yeah. we're a James Bond podcast, but I think that's the next big one now that that's that's out. It's supposed to be yeah, the, probably. November, so we will see. But I th- on, go ahead. On the plus side, we get uh, the Mando season two trailer and that's october 30th yeah i think disney plus's tv series are going to be an absolute premium because people are still gonna be starved for good content and here comes the vicious circle is that cinemas won't be packed with people until the movies come but the movies won't come to the cinemas until attendance picks up and where does this circle end i don't know not with bill and ted not with Bill and Ted, which we did go see. <laughs> and if you want our feelings on Bill and Ted, please go see Best Film Ever and check out our very special See It or Skip It review of Bill and Ted 3. Now, though, I think we are ready to uh, pivot and head on over for Maleficent. So first things first, Ellie, this is where you have to justify why you chose Maleficent for today's viewing. Because I quite like it. I've got it on, on DVD. Um, I've seen it a couple of times and thought it would be a good kind of different little thing for us to to review it's obviously got you know it's based on the 1959 film sleeping beauty but it's a very different story so it's quite a different premise for us to have a look at and not really the kind of thing that we've done so far on the podcast now i haven't seen it i know georgia said before we started that she had seen it before you've seen it several times ethan you 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 were kind of um um, you were kind of the voice in the darkness saying, warning, warning, danger, danger, mm-hmm. when we announced it last week. Am I, am, yeah. I remember, am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, I was. it was like 2016 I last saw this, and when I saw it, I didn't like it. Such a simpler normal. time, 2016. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who'd have thought that would have seemed normal? Yes. But like, there's just like loads of texts uh, that I sent to George being like, I hate this film so much. I hate this. Why do you recommend this? <laughs> So it was really interesting coming back and seeing it because I got I got a, a nice 4K TV today. Oh, okay. And, and, wait, and this is what and you this is what you this was, this was what I what I uh, did it with. my my picture quality test. Wait, wait, hang on. So so does Disney Plus like is it like in 4K? 
Yeah, there's um, a lot of like UHD stuff. So really? Moana is in 4K. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. My, I don't know what it was, but my TV, my PlayStation, whatever it was, really struggled with some of the more CGI, visually heavy portions. It was like there was a lag. It was weird. It was yeah, it was really strange. I had the serious lag. It, it looked it looked like video game cutscenes for me. So it was like yeah. this in between. So is I saw it, like, a bit of it on my phone just to double check and on my phone it looked atrocious yeah okay because it really during some of the big areas it, it was slowed right down so i wonder if they are releasing it at a higher um at a higher rate for people with more i mean i got like 1080p on my tv like it's not it's not like i'm doing one of those four uh, hd ready tvs that are 720 i've got like a i guess you call in this country full hd back home we just say 1080p and um but my tv really i don't know if it was my playstation or my tv but it really struggled to um process those scenes i'm thinking it's the playstation because i tried it with um something else on my playstation it just did not do. okay because guardians of the galaxy 2 is really nice in in, in uh, 4k but on my ps4 it just like it tanked so how do you watch it then are you watching do you like a smart tv it'll be a smart uh, yeah, tv I wouldn't it a, yeah i would buy a stick so i i, saw, oh, okay. I was like i'll see how that works on there and it seems to do the job so i'm, I'm just sticking with that for now okay so, uh, Ellie, uh, some context. You bring in the context this week. So tell us yeah. about Maleficent. Okay. So it was directed by Robert Stromberg. And... I have never heard of him. Anybody else? Well, nope. Nope. You probably wouldn't have done because this was his directorial debut. Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> okay. He is predominantly a special effects artist. You don't say. Um, yeah, it's, it's quite clear, isn't it? Um, but yeah, he's worked on some really big name films in the special effects kind of side of things. So he's done Avatar, um, Alice in Wonderland, the Tim Burton version, um, and Oz the Great and Powerful. Boo. So lots of kind of modern special effects scene I would argue heavy that, films. I would argue that two of those three films are very visually, all three are visually impressive, but two mm-hmm. of them sacrifice story for the good visuals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which would be Alice in Wonderland and whatever the last one you said Oz was. Oz the Great and Powerful. Yeah, I wanted to like that more than I did. Yeah, me too. Um, but yeah, so on the subject of Alice in Wonderland, um, Tim Burton was actually planned to direct this film initially, but chose not to pursue it. Um, so then it went to it is very Steinberg. It is very rare in this life that I will say, might have preferred to see his version. <laughs> you don't like Tim Burton. Do, that is saying something. I do not like Tim Burton. But I'm at, curious. But at least Tim Burton would, would so have, Alice. At least Tim Burton would, would have had an aesthetic that's like uniquely yeah. his that I would have gone, I, I don't like it, but I know why you did this. Well, you know what people did like? They liked the costumes, and it had an Academy Award nomination for Best Costume Design. Um, nice segue. I'll give you that. Um, it, it actually lost that to a film that we've already watched on Best Film Ever. Yeah, what's which that? Which was the Grand Budapest Hotel. Oh, that was... That was <laughs> what do you mean? Costumes that Fabulous were actually... costuming. The, the costumes are actually made of material and not just, like, CGI'd <laughs> on. Like, how do you know which one's which? So, I thought it was also interesting, the lady who wrote the screenplay, Linda Wolverton, um, also wrote the screenplay for the original Beauty and the Beast and The Lion King. Um, so, quite a big name there. Um, that's a hell of a resume. That's yeah. really surprising, because <laughs> I got some comments about the writing of this she's film. Done, she's done quite a lot of others as well. I didn't, didn't write them down, but obviously those are, those are doing, two massive ones. Was she doing several of these at the same time? I'm not sure. Okay. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe she just thought she'd knock this one out in an afternoon or something. <laughs> Route. <laughs> How they do the spells in this, you'd assume so. Well, I don't, I don't know, but this, okay, we'll get up with that when we get to that part. Grow really, big. Well, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. into a human. Yeah, You're not wrong, actually. Now that you mention it, like at least Harry Potter, but everything might have been Experiamus, but at least they came up with a word. You know what I mean? 
It's like a hand wave and some pollen shoots up. Oh, I would rather they just went like to a dragon. Menomino, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, give me some, give me some. What was the thing that um, it was Alakazam, wasn't it? Yeah, Alakazam yeah. is what Merlin's like. At least like that could be anything, but at least it sounds magical. I'd rather I abracadabra for every single one. Happy meal. <laughs> <laughs> How cool would that be? That would make me happy. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, so it might surprise you to know then that it was a pretty financially successful film. Um, no, that doesn't surprise me at all. So, okay, well, it had a budget of 180 million, um, which was the largest ever budget for a first-time director. So, what did they spend the other 80 million on after paying Angelina? No, it's all it's all on the, it's going to be all on the effects. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, it grossed over 758 million. Yeah, I'm not. Hell. I'm not Which surprised by that. Made it the fourth highest grossing film of 2014 behind Transformers Age of Extinction, The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies, and Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, the important thing is that the ones that beat it weren't CGI heavy fests. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> what well, year was this? 2014. It makes me weep for cinema that those are the four top grossing movies. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a good, was like a really oh, good year for oh films my as well. Word. So I, I always were like four or five. Guardians of the Galaxy is the only one I like. The Guardians is okay. Was that volume two? Yeah. Nine. No, it was one. Yeah, one. It's, it's, it's an all right film. I mean, it does make me weep because we talk about Grand Budapest Hotel, which must have been the same year. And oh, that's a film. Yeah. That's not yeah. a movie. That's a film. Ah. Um, oh. It was also um, Angelina Jolie's highest grossing film ever. Yeah, I could see that. Name me another, mm-hmm. name me another Angelina Jolie fi- uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, maybe? Mm-hmm. Tomb Raider. Oh, too good show. But that's quite a long time good beforehand. Show. Yeah, the yeah the, the the financials of film obviously they, they, it's it's like you know um, revenue inflation. Like every year, it seems that like they get a bigger and bigger and bigger cut. Mm-hmm. So until she does whatever that Marvel film she's going to be involved in is that, is that Eternals she's going to be in? Oh yeah, I forgot she's she's going to be in Eternals. So we'll yeah. wait to see if that changes that number. But yeah, anything else? Uh, no, that's it for now. I've got a few other bits, but I will scatter. Good. Um... So, Maleficent, uh, let's just jump in. I was going to say, how do we feel about it? But let's just jump in. I think it'll become apparent as we start. I think it's already become apparent. <laughs> so, um, there's an intro prologue, um, and there's a different Disney castle on the logo. And I appreciated this, because this is going to segue into the actual castle for, for the film, which I thought was a nice touch. Anything where you can go, it looks different, but a little bit off. And that's kind of a nice metaphor for what this film was trying to be. I don't like that they changed the castle from the original, though. Well, if you're going to start with an introductory shot of a castle, I don't want to see the Disney castle and then swap to a different castle. I was cool with this. Well, no, the the thing is, the Sleeping Beauty castle in the original is what the one in Paris is based off of. So I'm really familiar with that iconography. Right, but isn't the whole basis behind this, because it says, oh, sorry, we're going to tell you an old story anew. So the way you you show that is by, by replacing the actual logo that we're used to in that opening sort of stinger. We, we kind of right away go, it's something you're used to, but look, it's going to be different. And also it's not bright pink. And it's so. asymmetrical. It's not lined up like perfectly yeah, yeah. in the middle. Like it's just, it, it, it's a nice, it's nice enough. You go, okay, it's like an alternate universe where this is the logo. I don't know how I feel about this, which actually kind <laughs> of maybe wraps up my feelings towards large portions of this film. Ethan. It's the one thing that I do like about the live action Disney films. And I say the one thing, because every <laughs> live action Disney film always opens with like, a new aesthetic or new sort of design for the castle opening. So the Jungle Book goes like, it, it pans out of the castle, then like into a jungle and becomes the film. Lion King, I think, does something similar. And Pete's Dragon, I think, goes straight into the forest. So it's the 
It's the only compliment I'm ever giving a live action Disney film. Um, then we move on and we get this <laughs> a, a narrator's voice. It's very get, fairy tale like, isn't it? Yeah. Like very traditional storybook. Well, it it kind of has to be in that regard. Um, there's a new story, a new, and we have the story of two different groups of people. They're the regular people who are like you and me. And I'm like, don't lump me in with you, narrator. <laughs> Because I know what you're going to say. Like, we're jerks somehow. Like, imagine this. I've never, this is like the opposite of flattery. There are regular people like me and you who all suck and you should feel bad about yourself. <laughs> and then there were the Moors. And um, they were better than you. And she might look like a girl, but actually, she's a fairy. And her name was Maleficent. And I wrote that on my notes. Hey, that's the name of the movie. Hey, roll credits. <laughs> roll credits. <laughs> And like the tr- the tree that she's laying in, like spontaneously, like breaks a twig, and she does like the trick from Rise of Skywalker, where she like touches it and heals it. And an issue I will have in this film is what exactly are Maleficent's powers? Inconsistent yes. use of magic because they are whatever she needs it to be at the moment, but not what she could do to get her out of her situation. Not what really she needs easily. to get her out of other situations really yeah. easily. No, and um. I've got down here, and I'm sorry, I know I'm about three minutes in. This is when she's flying around in like the child version. Oh, and, it looks so bad. And I'm just going, I've written down, I already hate the green screen and all the CGI and the mud fight. Aww. And then she went, ha, missed me. I went, and I also hate the child actor who's playing her. <laughs> you, you mean uh, B-Tech Hermione lookalike? B-Tech Hermione. Now, B-Tech, for people who are listening from the UK, uh, sorry, from the US, which make up over half of our audience. <laughs> yes, Not sorry. half our audience, but a third of our audience. And it's our biggest singular audience. A B-Tech. What is a B-Tech? So in the UK, we have B-Techs and A-Levels. And they're what you do after high school. So I think they're equivalent to American college. Nope. They no, are the one, equivalent the to... It. No, they're equivalent to the last couple of years of American high school. Oh, high school. Okay. So yeah, what? so the last two years. And they're the, what you get your exams from. That's what gets you into uni. So so like an A-Level would be if you're taking like an advanced class that would get you ready for going into what you would call in the States, like uh College. College, yeah. College or university, or university, as we would say. In Canada, it would be university. In the States, it's college or university. Yeah, depends. And then a BTEC would be more like if you went to community college. Yeah. So There's a TV show about going to community college. I forget oh, yeah, what it's called. called. <laughs> I forget what it's called. But yeah, no, so a BTEC is. The Chevy Chase Show. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's the, he's the lead character. Pierce, Pierce My Heart. That's what it was called. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's such a bee. Sometimes I wish this was on, on camera so you could see the faces I was pulling currently. <laughs> Some things will never change. Uh, so. Uh, so it's like B-Tech Hermione Granger is what we were saying. Yes. So yeah. she is not the equivalent. She is like a cheap, She's not a cheap as good knockoff, knockoff. Trying to be, but exactly. not reaching that. Yeah. Um, so Mr. Chanterelle is cute. Who's what? Who is Mr. Chanterelle? He's the little mushroom guy. I hated all the CGI characters in this opening sequence. The fact that you knew like his name and none of us knew who you meant. It's called after a chanterelle mushroom. I don't, I don't know, know what a chanterelle mushroom is. I don't like mushrooms. Oh my goodness, Ethan knows what a chanterelle mushroom is. He likes food. I like food. <laughs> Ethan, do you know what a chanterelle mushroom is? No. Ah! How is so that I even possible? Most of my time. If anybody out there knows what a chanterelle mushroom is... Uh, it's just pl- a type of mushroom, guys. If anybody out there does know what a chanterelle mushroom is, uh, you know the socials, please don't message us about it. Do you eat... Because I don't... <laughs> we're, we're not a food podcast. Do you can message sh- us on Facebook. Do you eat chanterelle mushrooms with caviar and, like, uh, smoked salmon and... I don't, they, think, like, I don't, think, I don't think caviar and smoked salmon go together. It's a mushroom. It looks like this. It is a fancy mushroom. See, that, is, that looks like a flower. It also doesn't look like That's the character. 
He's got mushrooms stuck on him. He's yeah, just but cute. not that sort of mushroom. Oh my goodness. All right, let's make are. room for something else here. So, um, uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> so, um, and then we get the three like pixies who show up, and I've literally gone. Have we been tricked into watching like a Tinkerbell sequel? Is this what's happened here? <laughs> I hate the pixies so much. Why did they change their names? What was wrong with the original names? Yes, yeah, so you're going to be the expert on this one. I have no idea what you're talking about. So in Sleeping Beauty, yes. they're pink one, green one, blue one. They're Flora, Fauna, and Merryweather. Easy to remember. Okay. Flora's the flower one, Fauna's the animal one, and Merryweather does the weather. Makes sense. But in this one, I could not tell you a single one of their names. Who is the middle Fistle one? Fistlewit is one of them. But who, who is the middle one? Imelda Staunton, you mean? Yes. The pink one. Was she, was she, was she wearing pink in this? Yes, so uh, they like pink. a reddish color. Yeah, <laughs> that's clever. They are pink, green, and blue. Because I didn't but... realize I should have been looking for the pink iconography. Yeah, they are pink, green, and blue, but it's still in this. But they've changed the names, and I don't understand why. Cause... What's wrong with Flora Fauna and Merryweather? I don't know. I like them. Probably they thought they could market it. They do. Anyway, <laughs> and so then they go. I hope there's not another war. Which I thought at this point I was going. This is the worst example of exposition in the film so far. So I'm going to let that kind of slide because you'd go, oh no, not again. Or but I hope there's not another war. Look at the camera to show fear and back where we are. And then we find out the border guards have found an intruder. And I want to remind you, we were told that the people of the Moors were trusting and peaceful and peaceful. So why do you have border guards? Mm-hmm. Because they're trusting and peaceful. Yeah, if you're tr- trusted and peace. Every government that's trusted and peaceful has has large police presences. Of course. <laughs> yes. To be fair, the border guards are trees, so maybe they just kind of live at the border. But the fact that they're titled maybe they're, is border guard. Maybe they're just being true to their roots. Oh god. <laughs> They, Leaf it out. They need to branch out into new jobs. <laughs> oh, God. This is not going to go well. This Our, our exchange is turning quite wooden. Um, oh, so You plank. Uh, there we go. So if uh, – I've got that. And then we meet Stefan. And Stefan is a little boy with a very strong – is it Irish accent? Scottish accent? I don't Scottish, Irish. I think. Because I didn't pick it up when he was a child. Oh, no. He, it oh, was, it's oh, very it was strong. Oh, it was absolutely it there. Up. It's Gaelic of some sort, whether it was Gaelic, Scottish, Scottish, and, and Irish. Then I don't know. Diablo is Irish. Sure. And it's then. Like, oh, what? Tifa? Highland at best. Yes. And then we get. She's. I've got in my notes that the child playing Maleficent is getting better at the whole acting thing. And then I went, well, of course she does. For the first time in the movie, she's acting against another human being rather than CGI. <laughs> that would make sense. Like, forget the Bechdel test. How long did it take for two human characters to meet in this film? <laughs> <laughs> But it is one of my favourite lines in the film when she turns around and says, don't listen to him, Balthazar, you're classically handsome. Oh, no, that made me cringe like anything. Um, I was like, I oh, it. God, no. I, I, thought it was, I thought it was overly, it was an attempt to be whimsical and precocious. And it wasn't. Um, I think it is. So, Ethan, the only person yes. who could even get this might be you. And I'm going back a bit. I'm, this, this is an old man technology reference, okay? Did uh-huh. you ever play Final Fantasy VI? No. Okay. I know friends who did, so I'm kind of. There's a storyline about a magical group of people called the Espers, and they lived next to the human world. And the fear was that the humans would come and try and use them or take away their powers, or and they couldn't live in peace. They needed to sort of like sequester themselves away for fear yeah. that they would be, you know, exploited out of fear. And so I was kind of going, I've seen this movie before in 16-bit, so I meant the graphics are slightly better in this version I saw today. But I found the other one much more rewarding. So if, you, if you've played Final Fantasy VI, also known as Final Fantasy III in the United States on the Super Nintendo, uh, please go ahead and just play that game. Play that game. Final Fantasy VII guy. 
Yeah, I see. Yeah, most people are. So uh, I, I still stand by six. But he uh, he points to the castle from the early part of the movie, he being Stefan. And there's a very expositional... I can't believe I wrote this down, but it totally is what happened. There is a very expositional conversation about dead parents, which somehow serves as flirting. I laughed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an orphan. My parents are dead. My parents are dead too. Did that re- remind anyone else of Hamilton and Burr's first exchange? It's like, you're an orphan. Sure, I'm an orphan. <laughs> No, just me. No, because I really enjoyed that. <laughs> no, so did I, but... Um, and then he goes to touch her hand, and her hand burns, and we find out, it said thankfully explicitly to us, Al the Ring, Iron Burns Fairies. I'm like, okay, this is going to be important. And then I've got, okay, look, I do appreciate that in some capacity, at times, the animation is nice, but there's so much of it in this film. I'm writing down, and this is very early on, I think I'm becoming numb to this and it's just too much. And I'm like, ow, my eyes. Mm -hmm. It's Battle of the Five Armies for me. I don't like Hobbit part three because it's just CG. I never saw that. That another one of the films that outgrossed this one in 2014. Yeah. (laughs) After I got through the first one, I was like, I'm done with the Hobbit. I just am. And so he intrudes again. So after all these weeks, look who's come back. It's Stefan. And Stefan and Maleficent, we're told by the um, voiceover queen, uh, become the most unlikely of friends. And I've got down in my notes, clearly the narrator has never heard of the friendship between Donald Trump and Kanye West. But also, they're not that unlikely of friends. They're two children of the same age. Two children, two children of the same age who seem to be the only even remotely human-looking char- yeah, uh, characters around. Yeah. around. Yeah, it's not that I mean, unlikely, that is it? seems actually pretty likely to me. Mm-hmm. What are the odds that the two people who are, well, two characters who seem to be the most alike would actually find something in common and, and, and bond like, over that? The two characters they both have that dead aren't parents. It's a good point, actually. Why are there no boy fairies in the Moors? Maybe fairies Maleficent are only female. killed them all. Who, power. who killed them all? Maleficent, Maleficent obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and he gives her true love's kiss on her 16th birthday. We claimed it was true love's kiss. The best gift ever, yes. apparently. And this is when, I mean, at this point, the narrator, I know you've got to do a time jump, but oh my God, it went super exposition-y here. <laughs> and so Maleficent is now Angelina Jolie, and I've got in my notes, I'm sorry, she looks at least 40 at this point. I know they were trying to do something with those prosthetic cheekbones, but... I, I'll and, tell you what they were trying to do. They were basing it off Lady Gaga's Born This Way album cover. Why? Really? Yeah, that's, I don't, a, I don't. that's a hell of a leap. <sighs> it's, yeah, who cares? Um, <laughs> I don't know what was wrong with the original Maleficent design. Why is she still not green? I don't know. And so she's flying. And a real question I have, and might be worth looking up, was this released in 3D? And was it yes, the primary yes. region? Okay, that explains some of this. Of, uh, there's so many sequences here that are exist purely for the purpose of 3D. I've only ever seen this in 3D before. Okay, yeah. This exists only... So many of these sequences exist just because it's 3D and it's going to... It'll be like it's coming right at you. See, I definitely watched this first time in the <sighs> cinema. I don't remember whether I watched it 3D or not. I... Um, but I remember the graphics looking better on a cinema screen than they did now. I know it would have been I like six years ago as well, but... 3D oh, I hate 3D. And I hate it because even when you downscale it to 2D, you can't take away the fact that certain shots only exist for the purpose of jumping a crowd who's watching it in 3D in the cinema. Yeah. There's a scene in Captain America 1. I love that film, but there's a scene in Captain America 1 that is just for 3D, and I I, I hate it every time I see it. Yeah. 
Uh, so there's so much wasted time and space. And this is where we're told by the narrator that Stefan has gone to the greed of men. Now, remember, let's keep in mind, Stefan is an orphan boy who sleeps in a barn at the start. Yep. I don't begrudge him for a moment if he tried to better his stars. No, absolutely not. I he could have probably done it and still been friends with Maleficent, but... There are better ways he could have done it, but... We don't know how judgy she was like, it's, it's just lazy. It's lazy character building. He turned bad for money. Okay, and on with our movie. It's also an unrelatable narrator, so unreliable, sorry. Yeah. She's unrelatable as well. She is. <laughs> a beautiful, well, spoilers, but yes, we'll get back to that. Um, you might be pleased to learn that um, this film was actually made shorter than the original plan, um, so you didn't have to yeah, endure it's supposed to be as much longer. of it. I felt like I endured plenty of this. Um, there were, they needed to cut 15 minutes out of the first act, um, which meant that they cut two roles, which were um, a fairy king and queen, um, who were played by Miranda Richardson and Peter Capaldi. Oh, no! I'd... That's the second time Disney have screwed Capaldi over. I'd have, been well up, I'd have been well up for some Capaldi in this. No wonder he went to the Paddington movies. He can't get anything with Disney. <laughs> it might also explain a lot to tell you that the opening was reshot over eight days. Oh. So Wait, did they do all of the animation the in eight sh- days as shot well? shot implies they actually brought a camera out at some point. <laughs> <laughs> um... So then we have the king has heard of the power of the Moors and is seeking to strike it down. And then somehow all the horses have made it across the border ready to fight. And I'm going, whatever happened to those border guards we saw when one kid showed up? Everybody in the kingdom knew. But somehow, like, all of these, like, horses get across with, like, riders. And that's a huge – that just happens. They just really hate kids. Yes. And then we have a face-off. And the king starts making a speech to his men about how, now remember, they're magical creatures. I'm like, yo, yo, somebody needs to tell the king we've had our exposition for the movie. We're okay. (laughs) We know all this. Yeah. Like, it was just such a fake sounding speech. And she goes... B-Tech Braveheart. B-Tech Braveheart. And then um, she shows up and does a B-Tech William Wallace and just goes, you are no (laughs) king to me. Oh, it's so poorly delivered. Oh. I really struggled then when you mentioned this. I struggled with any time Jolie... I struggle with fir- I struggle with first act Jolie especially. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I struggle with Jolie as not the villain. Yeah. I, I, she, I thought she was better as a villain. I thought She's she was. Sinister. I she, I thought she was very good sinister. I yeah. when when she was a cartoon so to speak. Uh, yeah. But I thought she was really poor when she was being like defender of the realm. So I was like, nah. I think that's because this character in this story like leans towards the cartoonish. Like but when a, you're trying to make it relatable, it just isn't. A better actor could have done something with this. I think you're very much in the minority thinking that. Maybe Angelina Jolie has received a lot of praise. I know she. Ha- I know she has. I, I, I'm not. I'm not culturally, you know, um, blind to what's works. happened. <laughs> I think it's post Brad Pitt marriage. It's also the story spin. she told when we get to how her she used her emotions from something else to for the wing bit. Yes, later. and and it was also like in like like an anti-hero kind of reimagining, yeah. very postmodern. It wasn't just a lazy remake; it did something new. Yeah, let's. But this is kind of end of end of movie discussion. So let's jump back yeah. into here. Um, and so there's more CGI tree things, and I'm going. Eh. It's like the orcs from Lord of the Rings. Met the trees from Lord of the Rings. Met the White Walkers from Game of Thrones. It's just yeah, ends, but then that. like gave themselves like nightheads. How much actual? And this is the point I'm writing down. How much actual acting takes place in this film, and how much is me just watching cutscenes? It honestly, like, it just feels like really smooth video game cuts, isn't it? 
Yeah. I feel like I'm watching Shadow of Mordor. Like you've got Jolie against the green screen, kind of flying finger quotes for Leah. Just, just, yes, there is. Where she's just so smooth, and it's really and just and she's kind of going as she flies, and then we get like a cutaway to like all this like CG stuff happening because there's no other actual human characters for large portions of this. There's these weird camera zooms as well. It's like this really weird editing thing they have that whenever there's like a punch, the camera like zooms in really quickly and it just looks really janky because like you do it a couple times for emphasis but it's every punch cut punch zoom have a like uh, a pan out then punch zoom and it just kept happening the entire fight scene i would be really interesting to see a cut of this film which is just the humans nothing else it's like a nine minute film yeah i was gonna say like it's not gonna be very long but i'd be interested to see it um okay and on our other podcast best film ever we talked about braveheart a couple of weeks ago Mm -hmm. maybe about a month ago and i said the problem the thing that's great about braveheart is they don't make epics anymore that are epics they make epics that are full of cgi and as a result the epics don't feel epic and there was no part of this to me that felt epic this battle scene should have been something impressive but it was not because it's all CG. It was underwhelming. Get, you don't get the effect. Like, you don't even get the fire or anything like that effect. I know it wasn't fire in I would this have battle, rather but... had a less pretty battle. Yeah. But with real real people doing real things. Now, I know Jolie's going to fly, but that's we, we can figure a way around that. Did you do yeah. her own stunts using harnesses? Yeah, in a studio where there was just a green screen behind her. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I've seen Jolie do her own stunts before, and, and, and fair play to her. Because in Tomb Raider, I thought, Ethan, have you seen Tomb Raider? Years ago. I thought she was very good in Tomb Raider as far as the stunts for that went. So I'm not surprised if she's like the female Tom Cruise. See, also, though, like other people doing stunts, I know it's not as much of a stunt, perhaps, but Emily Blunt in Mary Poppins Returns, she does, she flies in. Okay. And it's a proper crane and harness when she first flies in, but it's done on location, so it just looks so much better. Yeah. As opposed to doing it. Even just build a set, like the old Mary Yeah. Um, And then we've got. Some sort of there's some sort of tree snake worm thing that she either calls up or fashions or I don't know, and this is where I just I realized that um, Angelina Jolie is discount Daenerys Targaryen, <laughs> especially about shot with the wings. I'm she like, yeah, this dragon is, later. yeah, she gets a dragon. She is she's kind of like the mother of dragon <laughs> for a moment with the giant. Like even she, she like the one thing that Daenerys Targaryen was missing in that in that glorious shot from the final episode that everyone went nuts about. It was the one cool thing in the final episode where she's got the wings behind her from the dragon that sort of make her look like they're yeah. attached. Well, this is kind of like you know they basically went give me that one moment that we really give me that one moment from um from. Maleficent to make that happen because we really yep. appreciated that. Um, and then she almost kills the king, but then iron sharpens Jolie's throat. Sharpens iron throat. sharpens iron. You know what I mean? So yeah. No, I don't know. What I was you going. Mean. Is that I a was, saying? Is it? Yeah, as oh, okay. iron sharpens iron. I didn't know that was. A oh, saying. it's totally a saying. Is it a Canadian saying? It's not a Canadian saying, Ethan. No. I've never heard it's of a Canadian okay. saying. No, there will be people who will back me up on this because every time we do an episode, someone goes, I'm with Ian on this. So if yeah, you they're probably from Canada. Hashtag. From Canada. Uh, I, no. So <laughs> get a hold of me. Am I right? Great argument. Am I right with iron shirt? Well, it's it's just, a proverb. But from where? It's, it's, it's commonplace. Iron literally does sharpen iron. That's the point. Oh, anyway, absolutely. <laughs> and so then we, we go to the king, and the king is dying. 
And he swore he would conquer the Moors. And a group of knights are, are there around him. And he said, you promised you would follow me. And I see you waiting for me to die. I will choose a successor and marry her to my daughter. And I'm going, isn't this like a scene out of Stardust? No, he didn't say marry her to my daughter. He said, look after my daughter. I, the, the suggestion is that oh, that means marry it? off. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't pick well, he's going to be the king. That's, that's, that's who the, yeah. Oh, I guess so. Yeah, yeah he marries her. <laughs> but isn't this like the scene from Stardust? Yeah, I, I thought it was like Stardust, Stardust as well. Into this Do you love Stardust as well, Ethan? I love Stardust. Yes! Stardust is weak. I love it so much. <laughs> Fight me. Stardust is weak. Henry Cavill? I've never even heard of it. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. What's Stardust? It's, it's a Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, Who's she? You know, loves. Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, Michelle, Liam says. Oh, yeah, I know the name, yeah. but I don't know. I can't picture her. She was Dangerous Minds. Oh, you didn't see Dangerous Minds. I didn't see Dangerous Minds. Uh, uh, we'll talk. We'll talk. <laughs> um, and so it's kind of like the opening to Stardust mixed with the idea of, like, the bad sides of Aladdin, where Jazz was like, I am not a prize that will be won. No, in this, you very much are, sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> We see her briefly when uh, the kids get when when the daughter gets threatened. And she delivers the oh, worst yeah. line yeah. in movie history. And so there's this old guy who goes away and washes his face, and I'm going, I'm assuming this is Stefan. And thankfully, he speaks in the next scene with that like broguish accent. And we're like, <laughs> okay, yeah, this has to be the same character. Maleficent is if, still out there. If if I can just say, the kid who played Stefan when he was young had the most pointed nose. It was like, like like dropped straight down. I was like, okay, a unique look. And then we're back outside because we haven't had any CGI in about 180 seconds. And the, the director's God, going, no. director's going. Look, you got what was the director's name again? Um, Robert Stromberg. He's going. Look, you get Robert Stromberg. You get Robert Stromberg. Mm. So we need CGI all the time. And Stefan goes outside to warn her. And she forgave, as she forgave him his folly and ambition. And I'm going, what the f did he do wrong? He didn't do anything. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't want to see her anymore. Well, yeah. Because like... he was more worried about going and living in the castle. So he, was... he abandoned her as her friend. Gee, heaven forbid he doesn't want to sleep in the barn anymore. Oh, I'm well. sorry, we're not all fairies with wings that can fly around and do magic stuff. I mean, I would feel as a human, I am in fact human, in case anyone was wondering, yes. feel a little bit upset if I was living with this in like realm of fairies and then they were like, oh yeah, stay with us, but you can't have any powers yeah. and you can't do anything else like we can do. You can just, just come here and be literally like a second class watch. citizen. You yeah, can just literally be, a second class everybody citizen. around you is better than you. Yeah, you yeah. can still go and visit her. It could have been a really easy way to sort of have, I don't want to say race relations, but kind of. Yeah. Be like, hey. An allegory, hey. an allegory, yeah. Yeah. Hey, the king. I'm dating this pretty cool fairy girl. She seems pretty chill. And so does everyone in the moors. Maybe we should have a treaty. There'd be a bit of conflict. Yeah, but he's like, oh, no, no, no. The humans are better. I'm but, aside with you guys dude, again. But it's dude, just so dude, out of nowhere. Dude, we've all seen X-Men before. <laughs> That's what X-Men is. <laughs> I know. I haven't seen X-Men before, just saying. Before okay, I've seen X-Men, X-Men before. <laughs> um... <laughs> And so uh, he's got, literally goes from being an orphan to a servant of the king. So I think he's doing okay. And then the part which I'm going, okay, I can't really get behind this. He drugs her and then goes to stab her but can't do it. And then he grabs an iron chain and then she wakes up the next day. And this is worse than waking up and realizing you got a tattoo the night before. <laughs> She's lost her wings. She I could- think this is worse than killing her, honestly. Really? Because at the end, she seems pretty victorious, which wouldn't have happened She's if he'd killed her. still alive. But pain. 
but alive. Okay, it's her whole identity has been and it must, taken away. It must it? be a really She's still got horns. Pain. It must be a oh, really great. They're going to be useful. Well, it gives her that, that indicative silhouette that she's recognised for. I was going to say, they're very much her. part of oh, her well, identity. That's right, then. So, as long as you've got a cool so silhouette, we, it doesn't so matter what you do. Can we talk about this? Because I always always under the assumption that in the original Sleeping Beauty, it's, it's just a hat. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so all of a sudden, now she's just this creature with horns. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like, is this just some weird hat she's wearing? I'm like, she never takes it off. I guess it's not. No, in this, it is very much supposed to be horns. But yeah. then in the, in the original, it's it just, just a hat. Like a hat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So she's lost her wings. And then Stefan goes to the king and gives him wings. So Stefan's name should Red be Bull? should be replaced hey. to Red Bull because Red Bull gives you wings. <laughs> that was the joke I was talking about. I'm so sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I got there before you got That's there. All right. though, so Originally, I was going to do it when I said worse than a tattoo, she's lost her wings, brackets, she could use a Red Bull. And then I decided it's better if I do the Stefan gives you wings. And See, if I hadn't, if I hadn't delayed, I could have had my yeah, joke. Jokes are always it. best when you explain your thought process around them. Well, no, because I didn't have to explain what the joke <laughs> No, because I didn't have to explain what the joke was. Georgia got it. I got it. I got there before you even I was just it. talking about when I could have two opportunities to use it. There's much different to that. Oh, okay. Um, someone's getting testy because we're not liking the film. We don't the like film. the film she likes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so she can't walk. And by she, I mean not Ellie, but I mean Maleficent can't walk. Because she's lost her wings? Because she's lost her wings. Now, I imagine the she's problem was pain. it's a clean cut. You know what I mean? Like, as long as she's like, well, <laughs> no, granted, I'm, I know it's a Disney film. You can't ever wake up with just like blood everywhere. Oh, but wouldn't it be so I much feel better? the burn of the iron like cauterized it. There is some inconsistency about how much iron affects Maleficent in this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna bring. I was gonna bring that up. At a Good. Point later Let's do on. that. So, and then when we have then we have what I've called Birdman or the unexpected virtue of ignorance, because, <laughs> <laughs> but not played by by Michael Keaton. There is a crow, and the crow the is crow? is turned yeah different kind of crow, not Liam's kind of crow. This mm-hmm. is not a rom com. Transformed into a man. Now, here's my question: If she can transform him into a man, and is there a reason why she can't give herself her wings back? Also, right, okay, so rant time. If she can turn the other things into other creatures, yes, yes, she mentions turning T-Fowl Air Fryer into a worm yes. at different points. So why on earth, when she's battling people, does she not just turn them all into worms? Oh, that's an excellent point. <laughs> why is that? Somehow this crow is the only... And turn into a dragon that isn't affected by can iron. Can she only turn people from the Moors' side into but stuff. he's not Moors' side. He was just a bird in he's a just, field. Just a random bird. Yeah. Okay, yeah. fair enough. So it doesn't make any sense. So she sees this bird and he's being captured in a net and she rescues him, turns him into a person, which is great because this gives her someone she can talk to. So she's not like... You know the crazy. It's not not the it's not the wicked witch of the west who's talking to, to like the flying monkeys the whole yeah, time. Yeah, no, like, at least it is human. You have a conversation back, and he's got like a crazy. Is it Irish, Scottish? Irish, he's, Irish got, yeah. he's got the other yeah. accent anyway. And the so at this point, I'm going, why is there really Scottish, Irish, British in this film except for Jolie? But then Jolie's accent picked up. I don't know if I just didn't catch it early enough. Was was her it accent solid the whole way through? It has its ups and downs, but so. it's usually pretty consistent. I, I thought early. Okay, I thought early. Maybe it's just me. Um. And then we find out that Stefan has been made king. And the word, the crow goes and flies. And the crow is her servant now for the whole thing. He will yeah. fly where she can't. He will be her stooge. Her wings. I yes. need you to be my wings. And Maleficent finds out that Stefan's king. And we get this bit where the green light goes in. And I will say this. I liked this a lot. I liked it. It was really nice. I thought this was well done. The green light as well as like a bit of a, more of a Disney fanatic. It was fantasy football going off on my phone. I'm really okay. sorry. Um, as a bit of a Disney fanatic, that lime green is used in almost every villain we have in the cartoon series. 
the, the lime green is there somewhere. So it's in Scar's smoke when he's doing yep. Be Prepared. It's in the poison but, apple. It's in all of sorts of stuff. But it's so important for that character. And oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it was just really nice to see it's that, but then specifically being that color was really nice as oh, well. That was a nice touch. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm so going... The lighting in the scene is really, really good. Yeah, I will, uh, that, was a, that was a really good scene. Um, and so then I've got, where is everyone else in this kingdom? There's no other moors. There's no fairy friends. And apparently they all live within like 50 feet of the boundary. Mary Poppins London. Because then she gets over there <laughs> and they're all like there. And then we have this, what I've got, the walk of pain, I've called it, where she's walking and she's like embracing this villainous side of herself and everyone's mm. shuddering from her. And she's raising up like the the the, 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 thorns. the thorns around her everywhere. And the score in this part is really, really, really good. It was ominous. It was dark. It was, this is our villain turn. This is something I remember from watching it in the cinema because I remember we were sat right at the back and right right in front of a speaker. And I do remember being really quite moved in different places by the music in this. So the score in this, I think genuinely you could pull straight from like Harry Potter or something. It's genuinely really quite good. Um, Who did the score? I don't know. James Newton Howard. Does he done anything else? Let me just check. We'll leave that with you. And at this point, there's also a Dutch angle because she more or less crowns herself as the leader of the Moors at this point. She makes herself like a little makeshift throne and sits down. Mm. And it goes Dutch angle because at the start, we were told these people did not need a king or a queen. They did not need rulers. Now, she's established herself to show she's going against the way of her people. Now, no one ever goes, hey, Maleficent, what you doing? (laughs) They do go, where's her wings? Yeah. We get a little bit of that. But that person gets quickly silenced by someone else. So. Yes. And so then we find out there's been a child. But before that... Um, he composed some of the music in um, The Dark Knight. Oh. Oh, yeah. But it's like being Hans Zimmer's number two. Isn't yeah. It? yeah the, he, he is literally... That is exactly what I was going to say. There <laughs> seems to be a lot of people who worked in other things. And there's nothing wrong with that. You have to get your, expert, your experience somewhere. And to be fair, to be Hans Zimmer's number two is... Yeah, you're all right. Is, yeah. Learn at the feet of the master. There's no one else I'd probably rather... He did King Kong. Okay. The 2005 one. Yeah. Okay. Um. Oh! He did Treasure Planet. Oh, really? Oh. <laughs> okay, there we go. And so um, I've got this in kind of a... So there's been a child... And there's a grand celebration, and Jolie, if I wasn't sure about her accent, she starts to dial it up to 10 here. And I'm okay with it. The, the, the accent was, was all right at this point out. And then here come the trio of pixies to foster goodwill. And the first says, I'm going to give her beauty. And the second one goes, I'm going to make sure she's never blue. And I'm like, this second pixie needs to see inside out <laughs> and learn that it's okay to be sad sometimes. Yep. And then, of course, this is very much, if you've seen any Sleeping Beauty story, whether it's the film, whether it's a pantomime, you kind of know how this is going to go. And Maleficent shows up before the third can do her wish. And there's a great shadow where you get that classic silhouette of Maleficent. I think that must have been in the trailer because I remember that that silhouette. That was really good. As far as – and I think we said this about – um, Hitman's Bodyguard, which we reviewed just a couple of days ago by, by our count, yeah. but a week and a half by the time people listen to this. And I said that film was a film of moments. And I kind of, the moments were longer, I think, for me in Hitman's Bodyguard. <laughs> yeah, this was very much moments. There were though. some visual moments yeah. that I was like, like there was the, there was the green when the, when, the, yeah. when the light goes up in the sky. And there was this, and I really, really like the silhouette. Here's the thing, though. That silhouette is something that could be very easily done without all the CGI as well. Yeah, so I'm kind oh, yeah. of thinking maybe if they mm-hmm. did dial it back a little bit, 
it might have been a more impressive film when they did then use yeah. the CGI. I think it was just overdone that, you, like you said, you just became numb to it. I will say that I, th- I thought Jolie was way more attractive as Evil Maleficent. Oh, way more. <laughs> um, and then the presence of the girls, uh, the girls, I mean the pixies, is really quite nice because if you're already angry, this deepens your sense of betrayal. You were my friends. Yeah. And what have you done? You're hanging out at the, at, at the christening of the child from the guy who took my wings away? Yeah. Goodwill, you are a traitor. Yeah, so yeah. I, that's it. You, you're all dead to me, and now I have no problem with ruling you. Yeah. So as far as story goes, I'm okay with this. Now, granted, yeah. it's an established story, so it's just tweaking, right? The script I have problems with, but the story I really kind of liked because the changes that were made I felt were effective. There's nothing too inconsistent I felt here. Nothing's too horrendous, no. no. I, I think don't overall like I quite like it. The I liked third it when fairy... I saw it in Wicked. Go ahead. <laughs> My biggest criticism of this is always, it's wicked, but Maleficent. Yeah, so it's just basically, so for people who don't know, just in case they're not Amdram people, Wicked is a Broadway slash West End theater reimagining of The Wizard of Oz told from the perspective of the Wicked Witch of the West. Yeah. And where the Wicked Witch of the West is the hero and misunderstood, and the victim of the story, actually, who's been smeared by... Propaganda, basically. Just because yeah. she's green. Just because she's green. It's not easy being green, Kermit told us. So. There's even like a parody of it for, um, for Aladdin of Jafar, but they acknowledge that it's retelling that sort of story, but from a parody perspective, which is why this is just very... Lazy isn't the word I'm looking for, but very forced. Okay. Well, speaking of the West End, I have a lovely segue for you. Um, Amelda Staunton, who played the yep. Pink Fairy... Um, Umbridge, yeah. yeah, Professor Umbridge from Harry Potter. Um, she was oh. filming. <laughs> Did you already just realize? I mu- just realize. Did you? Know- oh, really? Even I got that. Jeez. Um, she I was. She looked familiar. She was filming Maleficent by day and starring in Sweeney Todd on the West End at night. Who was she? Was she the? She's Mrs. Lovett. Is she the one who makes the pies? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh well. For me, Mrs. Lovett's always going to be, oh, it's going to be another Harry Potter alum, isn't it? It's going to yeah. be, uh, oh, what's Helena it? Bottom HBC yourself. HBC. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, and I've got this here. Jolie is way better as the villain. Oh, so much. She's oh, yeah. so, she's very good in this scene. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that smile. Again, probably because you, you have people to play off of again. Yeah. Imagine that. And the three fairies are put into the chest. And at first I had why, what did they do? And then I remembered what they did. So, you know. And then we have the curse that she will, the girl will will fall into a deep sleep and never wake up. So usually, this is where I have a little bit of an issue with the story. But not, not massively, but a little bit. Usually she, Maleficent, is left to, she's going to die when she, that happens, that's it. And Maleficent leaves. And it's the third fairy that kind of corrects it so that Changes no, she... It. Changes death into sleep. Into sleep and true love's yeah. kiss. And I, I get that. But, and it was quite nice that that's well, what Maleficent chose because one, it was him that did it on his sixth, on her 16th birthday, the true love's kiss thing. There was some nice mirroring there. And that's true nice. love's kiss became like this ironic, dark, biting thing. And I like that. But we never got, again, of course, then we never saw the, the third. The third pixie never gets to make never their, does their her wish. wish. Yeah. So it, it kind of made that. Yeah, it's a little bit sad, isn't it? And halfway through the thing, she's like, and then, and then, and she looks over and there's this spinning wheel. Like, what else would she have come up with if there were different things in the room? And then she'll play the magical bongos. Like, like, like the problem is, <laughs> you want to know where your curse is going, where you start it. You don't want to be looking on the room going, you know, it's like the world's worst improv class. And, she's uh, to a, to a that's, that's who wrote the script. Say, oh, I'll, just, I'll just wing it. 
you didn't prep at all. No, 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 I'm great. I can just keep talking forever. Showing it. Spinning wheel. And so here's my... Yeah, that's it. And so at this point, like, the king begs for his daughter's life. And everyone in the kingdom is like, oh, no, bad king. And I'm like, no, this guy's a really good dad. He doesn't care about his title here. He realizes he's straight up messed up. And he's trying to humble himself to save his family. I got no issue with this. He just does a bit of a crappy job being a dad later on, doesn't he? Well, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm going to come back to that. Because I think... I'm, I'm giving him a, a, a bit of a pass, actually. Okay. Um, I think he does a crappy job at all his relationships. So no power on earth can change it. Why? Because Jolie says so. And also because she needs to not be able to revoke it later yes. in the film. <laughs> and so from here on, it's the same old story. They get rid of the spinning wheels, but they don't burn them, which I thought was weird. Well, they said they did, but they obviously didn't. They just put them in a room and went, good enough. Yeah, yeah. and kind of left them to rot. Uh, I always felt... In Sleeping Beauty, the exile of the princess for 16 years is overkill. Because if you know she's... Because on this one, usually it's by before her 16th or on her... Around her 16th yeah. birthday. But this one clearly said on her halfway through her 16th birthday or something like that. At which point... before the sun sets on her 16th birthday. It, but it was specific that it would happen yeah. on that day. So which point I'm going, you've probably got about 15 and a half years before you really have to send her away anywhere. Depends how you depends how you read it. If you semantics, isn't it? Yeah, I loved it. The actual script for this one because I think this one said specifically. But before the sun sets on her sixteenth birthday, she will prick her finger on the spindle of a spinning wheel and fall into a sleep like death. A sleep from which she will never awake. It depends on your stressing then. So is it it before the sun sets? As in any time before that, exactly. Or is it before the sun sets? But if you're terrified, your daughter's gonna fall into an eternal slumber. Then maybe you read it in the like most cautious way you can. Yeah, and so scene I want. Um, where, like, where they're just discussing the semantics of the like, grammar. Wait, Maleficent, before you go, do you mean on her birthday or like any time between? <laughs> this is like spam a lot. It's the time you bring this up, actually, because I haven't really thought about it. Let's just say sort of any time around, because I really hate you right now. Okay, cool. Thanks for the heads up. So, Bye. so, so, what if we close our eyes and don't see the sunset? Does that still count? <laughs> what if it's cloudy? Give <laughs> her blackout blinds in her bedroom. She'll be fine. <laughs> And somehow, it's another one of those things where somehow, like, Maleficent, Aurora is, like, painfully aware of when her exact birthday is. Like, somehow she just intrinsically knows that, like, her life count has hit 16 years later on. But also, if this was, if, like, the day of her birth is an issue that she's been cursed with, why would you not just give her a different birthday to celebrate on? And because so, then it's not a big deal. Just to lay it by a week and you're safe, because she won't think it's time to go back yet. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so... They find the girl, and by they I mean Crow Guy. Find, and this was a nice touch on it because the Pixies, as is sometimes the case, take the take Aurora out into the, into the country and live in a cottage, and they stop being Pixies and they start being like you know regular women. Um, just to note on when they are Pixies, um, they spent three weeks with the Cirque du Soleil filming motion capture to give them like the fairy like qualities of like, featherweight and agility. Thought that was pretty cool. Pretty cool story. I don't know if they pulled it off. I would, probably wouldn't have noticed. Yeah. I was like, wow, they're being really delicate. Yeah. To be honest, they're not. I don't think, feel like they're really in the film that they're not. much. Not not for three weeks worth of the Soleil's no. time. And as fairies as well, considering a lot of the time they spend is up bickering as adult women in the, yeah. in the kitchen. It's very panto It's yeah. very, very yeah. panto And so... Um, they go ahead, they take her out. And of course, the interesting thing is, there, is there, this is the, another one of the interesting ones. They're so rubbish at taking care of the kid that we actually find out it's uh, Maleficent who's sort of taking care of the kid all this time. There's a few montages. And then we get some more inconsistencies with the wishes. She'll never be blue. 
cut to baby screaming and crying because the baby is sad. Yeah, I guess so. And then we have, well, they could show just the pixies are terrible. Except for she's she beautiful. She's supposed to be sad. She's beautiful, though. Yeah, I was yeah. just saying, maybe they're just really bad at their job, so she, therefore the wishes that they, or the gifts they give aren't actually working. I'm not sure that's how magic works. Is there anything we've seen to show the pixies are good at magic? True, 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 true. <laughs> so that, that's except for the one's good at making her beautiful, but maybe she's good and the middle one's not. I don't know. I don't know. Or, 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 maybe or, the one that didn't get a wish just accidentally reversed it. Maybe the third one went, and I wish that she does get blue occasionally. Make <laughs> <laughs> it pink, make it blue. It'll uh, make her a more rounded individual. Yes, I have seen Inside Out. We have to remove, I'm going to use my power not, not to undo the curse. I'm going to undo that, sec- <laughs> that, that, that second one about being sad. And so... Um, there's this great and there's this great it's, it's a nice little scene where Jolie's looking at the baby and calls the baby beastie little beastie little beastie which to me though still reminds me of um, Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest I was going to say yeah because yeah. that, that's what I he calls that kind of vibe because that, 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 that's, that's what he calls the Kraken is beastie yeah. yeah but it's like and she goes about the baby it's so ugly you could almost feel sorry for it and I thought Jolie was good in these moments where mm-hmm. she's taking something that we know is beautiful and like, the, and the baby looks so it's a beautiful little baby such they've got here baby. such a cute kid and then it looks at her and she goes awful. I hate you beastie and the kids are like, it, like it looks, it looks con- confused for half a confused, second then and smiles. then just smiles it's gorgeous and the pixies are bad at looking after the baby so the crow brings tried to give her a carrot yes and the crow <laughs> brings the, the, and the crow brings some sort of flower it can suck on like a milk flower or something yeah. yeah and then rocks the baby as well and then but maleficent still decides she's gonna torture these f- pixies for like i guess 16 years because she's always doing it and she puts a storm in the house and then i'm not buying the rebrand in that stefan apparently now is consumed by vengeance and i'm going well you threatened to like kill his daughter pretty much under harm and then said now wait 16 years for it to happen I have a feeling that would eat me up as well. Yeah. But he doesn't know, like we know, that she's actually helping take care of the kid. As far yeah. as he knows, he, she, she's the one who's trying to like kill the kid. So absolutely, I would be like, no, we are getting her before she can hurt my kid. Yeah, absolutely. Like if she's dead, yeah, maybe the curse. I do too. not appreciate the rebrand of Stefan. This was lazy. It was very much traditional Disney villain lazy motive. Bad, because he, bad, oh, bad I mean, person, bad. Yeah. bad person is bad. Like he... Even like, we need to explain this away. Off of something to die, like it's literally classic yeah. Disney villain. We need to explain this away. How can we do it? I'll just get the narrator to say it. I love it. <laughs> he has turned evil. <laughs> Wouldn't that be uh, really, really confusing and hard to understand? <laughs> Not at all. Uh, and so he doesn't know. And so, and then there's a great bit where he starts burning. He tries to burn down the walls of the thorns, and then we get like a graphic match to like mm. the, the burning fire inside the cottage, which I thought was quite nice. And then we cut to. Uh, Oh, sorry, so this is in Stefan's, not in the cottage, it's in Stefan's room. And he's angry and he's shouting about how he wants her dead. And it's mirroring how the king acted earlier in the movie. So he's fully become the thing which we're supposed to have hated. And he says, bring me the iron workers. And I'm like, yeah, I can't blame you there. See, the is thing the is... the hound from Game of Thrones? Because he looks like the hound from Game of Thrones. The hound? The hound is like huge. Who am I thinking of? He looks like some Game of Thrones character, if not. Because the hound is like six foot four or something like He's that. He's the one with the scar on his face, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's who he looked like to me. Doesn't look anything like him. <laughs> I've never seen Game of Thrones. I can, well, clearly. I, I think you're exposing <laughs> that. I think you're exposing that. Um, and then the baby goes ahead and walks off a cliff because the pixies are fighting and rescued 
by at first the Maleficent's is like, look at it, it's gonna go, go ahead, Beast, you walk off the cliff, and then it walks off and here go you even hear it scream though. Like, yeah. <laughs> See this the scream confused me because it was that was not the scream of a child. That sounded no, like that the pixies a, yeah. screaming, but But they didn't notice. The, no. Yeah. And so of course Maleficent manifests a like branch that catches it and puts it back up on the ledge. And she just uh and then she, She's walking through the woods, and all of a sudden, the baby's like found her because the baby's like what three? She's five. It's older now. Five. Yeah. Five and going up, 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 up. And she just goes, "I don't like children." <laughs> you know what makes the scene even cuter? Is it actually her kid? Aurora yeah. is played by Vivian Jolie. Oh, shut up! That's oh, kind of cool. It, they did it because um, they thought she wouldn't be scared by Maleficent yeah. because she's, believe, she's only five. I believe they did try other young children in, but they were too scared of Maleficent in costume. So the only and the only one they got to work was her own daughter because wow. she knew it was mum. And it's really cute. I really like this uh, scene. Uh, I liked in general whenever Jolie was acting opposite Aurora in general. I'll even give Aurora when yeah. she's when she's grown, but especially when 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 Aurora's a child in various yeah, manifestations cute. and she's trying to fight that she's fallen in love with this kid. That's quite good. It was really entertaining. I will, I will say that. And then we have a, a time jump. And this wasn't so entertaining. And we have grown Aurora meets Bambi. And the bad guys somehow break through. We get two the wall. time jumps, actually. Do we? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, so in think, about 10 seconds. I think there's about six different versions of Aurora, isn't there, all together, something like that. But then you don't see a lot of two of them. How the bad guys broke through the wall, I don't really understand. But Maleficent has this point kind of put. She, we discover that she can put people in sleep comas. Yeah. Yeah. There's another inconsistency with the sleep coma, so I'll come back to that later. Like, you could put all these bad guys in a sleep coma, but she can only put her friends in sleep comas, it turns out. Also, when she put Prince Philip in a sleep coma, she has to, like, hold him and, like, T-Fal has to guide him through the different bits and pieces. But when Aurora's in a sleep coma, <laughs> she just floats behind Mo- her. Movie just needs her to move at that point, yeah. yeah. And there's a face-off with Maleficent, and she turns the Birdman into Wolfman. And she ends up beating the rest of the guys up. And we find out that Wolfman doesn't want to be a dog. And this takes up about 90 seconds to two, two minutes of dialogue <laughs> about how dogs are dirty and stink. You turn me into a worm all you want, but don't you turn me into a dog. She goes, it was a wolf. He goes, I don't care. This is an end trailer thing. Like, in a, Actually, in it is. Trailers, You're right. going to have right. like, a funny, clippy That, that zinger where, there, where there's like conflict. Yeah. 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 And it's like, you have like everything that it's like coming soon, whatever. Oh, you shouldn't have made me a wolf, but I don't. And then turns into a bird. Go Where was your Irish say. accent from New and Zealand? Then, and, and, and then right when it goes like, a dog, a wolf, it's the same thing. No, it's not. And then boom, it gives you the date. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the, the, the chyrom of the date in the last little bit. And then you're like, okay, we're done. Yeah. And then we have Aurora hanging out with the Moors. And Aurora is much better at acting off the CGI than the child Maleficent was. Yeah, so much better. I actually kind of was all right with the way that Aurora was was was... You could almost imagine she could actually see what she was seeing. She was better at this. And then she meets Maleficent for the first time and goes, I know who you are. You're my fairy godmother. Godmother? Godmother. No, I like this. Because then Maleficent just goes, what? (laughs) I I I legitimately, I've got my notes here. Legit laugh. That was my one legit laugh of the whole movie. It was right there. I think it's just the... The delivery of the "You're my fairy godmother." Well, is it because is it because Aurora's dialing up to ten on the whole typical Disney princess? Because her so. role's not to be memorable, that's, and she yeah, wasn't memorable. That's what she's no. supposed to be. Because I'm going to say this: Aurora might be what she was supposed to be, but I don't remember her. I don't remember the the the, the T the prince. T is the prince, isn't he? No, T is the crow. T the crow. Dieval. 
Tifal. 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 Tifal air fryer. Nonstick yeah, pans Just because you've made this joke loads irons. of times doesn't mean that people listening know what you're talking about. People at <laughs> home, pick it up, please it's fine. join us in the rechristening of whatever his, what was his name? Tifal. Diaval. D- as Tifal. Like, like yes. devil. Diavolo? Okay. Oh, that's okay. I get that. But still Tifal. Uh, but the prince, like I didn't care about him. I didn't even really care about, I didn't really care about Tifal. No. I didn't realize. I did a bit of a look. The prince plays uh, Henry Turner in Pirates 4. I was going to say, I did recognize him. Uh, four. Four? Five? Four. Five. Which is the really four? Five. Five. Five's the final one, right? Five's the last one we've had, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he, play, he plays uh, Turner Jr. Oh, it was Turner Jr.? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wasn't that impressed with him here. Um, and so... Birdman then kisses Aurora's hand. And I've written down, if this turns in the twilight and he's imprinting on her, I'm calling bull****. Because mm-hmm. there was kind of weird moments between him and uh, Aurora and also between him and Maleficent. Yeah, I didn't get that at all. Yeah, it was a bit weird. And then we get more sleep dust, which is, he, she, uh, he, I, I don't know. And then Stefan is going nuts. And he will kill Maleficent on the day the curse fails, and I still don't blame him. No. Like, yes, he was a he was a jerk earlier by cutting her wings off, and he shouldn't have done that, and all that stuff. But once he takes she takes the daughter and kind of like threatens her life, I'm like, I'm totally okay with this. And then I have a portion of the the movie which I've called more CGI bullshit. So the rest of the film. Maleficent tries to revoke the curse. And I'm writing in my notes, how can she reverse the curse? We were told that no power can change her. Oh, I get it. She can't <laughs> change the curse. <laughs> in fact, we, we get the really lazy exposition of literally the echo of what she said half an hour earlier. Yeah, and this is where I'm going, like, I'm okay with the story. Yeah, yeah, I don't mind the story. The story I'm the okay with. The script I don't like. The script and quite a lot of the delivery. I so then like. we have the more catching up. Why don't you have wings? And they talk about wings. Uh, which is important later in the story, I get, but it just felt like it was just really bad writing again. It was like, yeah. F, yeah. does everyone have wings? Most things. Do you? I used to. Let um, me tell you the story. Back to Stefan. He's losing his mind, and I still don't blame him because he hasn't seen the rest of the movie. And he says, we're running out of time. And I've got in my notes, says he, I know I've got a lot more movie left to watch. <laughs> uh, back to Maleficent and Aurora. And I'm going, where the fuck are the pixies that are supposed to be raising her all this time? I'm not complaining. I hate them. Uh, 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 fair, but it was just like, a, a, and then she makes a reference to the pixies, and I went, oh, okay. And then she practices the speech about how she wants to live on her own. And I'm going, who hasn't practiced a speech by a CGI river in their life? This was cute. Oh, really? Okay. I, I, I Go I ahead like and defend it, because I wasn't big on it. Scenes, okay, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying. I oh, like was that it? it? <laughs> yeah, I wasn't, gonna, I wasn't even going to try and defend And this like, is where we find you? Prince Philip. Philip. And Prince Philip is lost. And somehow lost. Very good. Somehow lost and wandering, he's made it through that impenetrable bramble wall. See, this is where I got really confused with the movie as well, because we get shots of both sides of this bramble wall, and there seems to be some sort of a reveal when... Male- when Maleficent shows Aurora through into the moors, but that's because she's taken her through the bramble wall. So it would so move she lives, for her. Yeah, so she must live usually the other side of the bramble wall. I have no but then idea. how have they not been found by people because they're not hidden by the bramble wall? And oh, hang what? on, maybe, maybe here's my problem: is the pr- 
is the cottage not on the other side of the bramble wall? Is the cottage just I in the countryside? Know. No, it's it's never really shown because it looks like it is. I thought it looked like it is, but she's not been engaged with any of the magical creatures. But Maleficent's been there the whole time. I can't. I don't I, yeah, know. I think it's a bit of both. Like Maleficent abandons. The See, say what you will. Say what you will. Game of Thrones gives me that really cool, like, you know, CGI map at the start of every episode, so I know where everything is. Like, I, I knew where King's Landing was compared to everything else. That way, when they. King's that way, when they jump, like, giant amounts of the map in the final season, I go, bullshit, you can't do this. You can't See, do this in an episode. Again, this is another one of those moments where I wish we were, like, on video for podcasts sometimes, because you're looking at me whilst you're saying this, and I have not got a clue. No, there you go. <laughs> um, and so. Then we go for, um, he goes, she goes, will you be back this way? And he goes, and I'll get my notes, no, he won't because he's f***ing lost. He doesn't know where he he is. is. And he goes, nothing could keep me away. What besides knowing where you are? Geography. Yeah. Basic navigation. Then I'll see you soon. And so she just promised she was going to stay where she was and never leave. And then she falls in love with the first member of the opposite sex she's ever seen. And I'm going, isn't this the end of a jungle book? (laughs) (laughs) just saying i've not seen it bear with me would you um and so these three are the worst protectors and you can guess which three characters i'm talking about here (laughs) there's a flower fight and i hate this movie Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the movie has time for a flower fight at Mm -hmm. this point and she's they get get the day wrong when she's supposed when her birthday was when she's supposed to go and they're like oh no, it's this day. Then it's this day. Then they, like, blue paint one of them for some reason. Yep. And they're like, oh, look, they were, she was so quirky. They were trying to reimagine the make it pink, make it blue scene from the original. You would but, almost think that this was done for the purpose of showing some flower flying in 3D. Oh. I know, right? I know. I think it was done to get a bit of use out of Imelda Staunton. I think, <laughs> to be fair, I think she's, if you're going to put her in the movie, I think there's not enough of her. She's horrendously underused. She's, and she's it, under- although, it's always be fair, if she was doing Sweeney Todd at the same time, maybe she didn't have an awful lot more time. But if, yeah, then, her role but, is but very then, small. But then cast someone else. Unless, I mean, yeah. it can't be stunt casting because I didn't know she was in the role. No. If it's stunt it casting, you know who's in it. And it really doesn't, yeah. it's not a big enough role to need it to be. Like this film. Staunton. She doesn't bring anything particularly no, special This film to is it. Angelina Jolie is Maleficent and nobody else of note is anywhere near this. Nope. Um, and so she finds out. Juno Temple. Sorry? Did anyone else recognize Juno Temple? Who's that? The green fairy, the young fairy. Nah. Who's because, that? Have you ever seen Wild Child, Ellie? Oh, yeah. Drippy's like, in the freezer. Ago. It's drippy. I, I literally can't remember any of Wild Child by oh, her. Okay. Yeah, okay. I, she did look familiar to me. Yeah, yeah. Just, like, explain why. Ethan, have you seen Wild Child? I feel this is the second time Wild Child's been brought up on one of the podcasts. Yeah, I have no <laughs> clue, buddy. And so uh, we find out lazily because this is how they uh, somehow they accidentally reveal. Oh, whoops! You're a princess. Your I'm father's a, still alive. I'm a princess, and out she goes. And she goes, "Fairy godmother, I'm cursed." Yes. And they said this person who cursed me, but I couldn't remember her name. Now I think if someone cursed me, I'd probably pay attention to what her name was. Yeah. But then Julie goes Maleficent, and then because the movie doesn't have time, because they wasted it on a flower fight, <laughs> and because they can't, and they've established we don't know how to write dialogue. Yep. <laughs> this goes, you're her, aren't you? You're Maleficent. You're the evil in this world. And in my notes, I've just got blah blah f- blah. <laughs> yeah, basically. She runs back to the castle, and then she. And this is Aurora. And she knows the way. Finally, she's been knows there her way. Finally, has a moment of. 
return with her father. Now, I'm guessing the mother died because we're told she was at death's door earlier in the movie. And Again, he, he doesn't go to her. happened with that. She was just a plot no device. She was she a was plot dead. device. That's yeah. all she was. And then she goes, you look like your mother, which actually is very similar to what was said to William Wallace by his uncle Argyle. You have a look of your mother. Um, and then he says, lock her up in her room. And again, I'm okay with this. I'm not okay with the room having a secret passageway out no. of the room. But uh... Yeah, that was dumb. Lock her, I'm sorry, it just sounds terrible. Lock her up in, in like the dungeon for a night where you know she can't get out. Just keep her safe for a night. Yeah, or like lock her up. And proper, and like have it locked up properly, yeah. And then have like the magic powers have her like hulk out and, and like break through. And the why door. is no one like guarding the door so that when she like runs out, like, there's not a guard in sight? I would no. have like guards all over. There's like a and, maid lady, and I would have fifty guards. I would have fifty guards in front of that bloody um, the door to the spinning the, wheels. The door with all the spinning yeah. wheels in it. I would have fifty guards there. Or you know, <sighs> remove the spinning wheel. She. They've had, yeah, they had 16 years, like you said before. Break her leg. Why is it still there? Turn it into a new room. Break her leg. Anything. Break her leg. She can't walk. She won't get <laughs> pricked. Hi. Well, you've a look at your mother. Smash. <laughs> See, though, like, if we did all of these things, and, like, rather than being really lazy with it, and then being like, oh, yeah, there was a secret passageway out, and she just happened to follow her finger towards the spinning wheel. Yeah. Like, put actual walls up, and... Make her have to go See, over them. Was, Make the curse look more, more damaging, more real. I was like, watching an episode of Community the other day, and they asked oh, Abed. There's that program about Community College. Yeah, and I asked, that's it. And, I, and, and they asked Abed about a scary story, and he said, "I don't really oh, feel yeah. anything. I think he's been a sociopath." And he goes, "No, because your characters made decisions they wouldn't have made in real life. Yeah. So therefore, we don't feel." Um, we don't feel like anything's been earned. And this is my problem with Maleficent, is the character's making decisions you wouldn't make. Uh-huh. And so I get, you have to have her finger get pricked. That needs to be your end destination. But you have to get there in a way that doesn't feel like it's just, oh, well, there's a secret passage and no one else is around. But it's you're, just lazy. You've got to go, how do we, if this is what you're going to do, if you're going to make this movie, how do you get her to that room? Needs to be like one of the first things you think. Mm-hmm. I want a five-minute montage of him just like doing stuff to try and like break her legs or stop her from getting there like, and it just keeps healing but you've got <laughs> Benny Hill music as well just change the tone what if Maleficent like the Home Alone traps what if Maleficent <laughs> and Birdman run to the spinning wheel room grab the wheels and they're trying to move them because they know that what can happen the curse and unbeknownst to them she gets out and bumps into them trips falls and just then hits her finger so and then that feels like at least someone was trying to anticipate what could go wrong and this still happened because it's yeah. fate because it's a curse as opposed to i'm going for a walk now oh I you be careful dearie and then like you know the 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 steering wheel no spin wheel whatever like manifests Okay, that's fine, but what's the point of it manifesting in the room of the broken ones when it could just manifest anywhere? Yeah, and this is where I've got my thing. So the curse is calling her, I guess. And I'm, cause yeah. I'm going, who's calling her? It must, okay, I guess the curse has manifested almost like it's uh, sentient now. The curse is like aware. And so the curse is up, and this is important for it to happen because we can't forgive Maleficent unless it is sentient and independent. Yeah. And so then. Uh, I've got Jolie yells at the bird horse because she's turned Birdman, Tifal, into a horse. And he's not riding fast enough. 
And yet the whole time, what is with Aurora walking around the whole castle, like squeezing her finger like she's waiting to prick it on something? Yeah. It's all weird and pussy like, as well. Like, 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 like throbbing. I thought right. it was, I, maybe it's like fate is like directing her, but I'm like, this is really, I thought she, I thought it was already bleeding the first time yeah. she came out. <laughs> yeah. I thought yeah. she'd pricked it and they'd done it off, off screen. And this was, what's the point? This is a, a huge issue I have is this sequence of how do we get her to prick her finger just felt dumb. Yep. Uh, Stefan smacks a pixie because the pixie suggested it's not so bad. She's only sleeping. To be fair, I am going, you had one job. This was like your soul. Like if this is like a performance management meeting, this was the one target you had. Stop this from happening. And then if it does happen, you sure as heck don't go, well, it's just the thing that we were told would happen if this happened. (laughs) It's just that thing, you know? And now this is weird because now we're going to pivot and make the pixies good characters. Because we've laughed and ridiculed them for most of the movie. And now they're like heroes. Really strange. And this movie needs to make up its mind. Mm-hmm. I have a swear word in my notes, but you can guess what I'm going here. And when the prince wakes up, because he's been sl- I've met, he'd been sleep comed all the way to the castle <laughs> on like a horse because she can't, he can't float behind Maleficent, but, but, but Aurora could. But also she has to keep checking back on him to make sure that he, she, he's still on the horse, but. Aurora can just float willy-nilly. And the prince wakes up, and we find out he's Prince Philip, and the pixies are elated, and we find out his father is King John of Ofsted. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what it sounded like. Sounded like. <laughs> I was like, all right. Uh, and he kisses her, and I'm getting as impatient as the pixies. Now, I appreciate the fact they were going, it's 2014? Yeah. Mm. And they went, let's, I don't really know her that well. I don't now, feel right about it. Here's my issue, though. Most of the time, good on you, mate. You know what? Absolutely. But we're sitting here telling you there is a curse. True love's kiss wakes her up. We don't have a chance for a Venn diagram for a situation where you get to know her better right now. Plant a kiss on her. We've got three people who can vouch that we told you to do this in case it goes sour. Just please do what you need to do. To be fair, they're not exactly time limited. That, yeah, that another thing that bothered me is that she's not going to die anytime soon. What did you want? Soon. Did you want like a six month like montage where he's like, "What's your favorite thing?" I really like. That. He's just talking to this comedy like a sock puppet. He's just like he's just like sharing with her. They're going on dates and taking like selfies and updating their Facebook oh, status. It, what's it called? That film? Oh, when they like pretend someone's alive that's oh, actually weekend dead. Weekend, weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, weekend at Bernie's. I, I Princess Aurora. Weekend Aurora. It's, like a, it's another montage. You got like, I ain't getting loving nobody but you. And it's like, oh yeah, he's braiding her hair, and they're like having picnics. He's like, do he's like trying to put like noodles in her mouth. You're just stuff. too he's good like, to be true. I'm just defending the poor guy for having a bit of a moral compass. And if he wants to take a few more seconds to think about kissing a woman that's just unconscious, then. I want Good the on him. Oh, my word. <laughs> and then we have Jolie's redemption. And she goes, you stole what's left of my heart and now I've lost you forever. And she kisses her on the forehead and she wakes up. And just in case we missed it, um, the Birdman goes, the Birdman goes, how true a love. I love Frozen. Yeah, I, I, basically, it's what it is, isn't it? It is Frozen. What came out first? Was it Frozen, frozen or was it this? the uh, year frozen, before. Yeah, okay. Like, I was sitting there going, at one point I was going, if this ends up being Jolie, I got to do a time check on which one Jolie. comes first. Jolie, Jolie, Jolie. And so the, at, at the coda, we go back to the Moors. Uh, sorry, they're going to go back to the Moors, but then an iron net drops from the ceiling. And this is my issue, is that apparently what happens when iron drops on you, if you're a fairy, is you have blurry vision and point-of-view shots. 
She should have turned into tons of tiny, teeny cubes. She should have been sliced right open. If that's yeah. how, if that's how the wings got cut up, mm-hmm, that's not it. Mm-hmm. And I'm evil cube. Hook. I'm like, I'm not buying this net for as long as it's on her. Isn't just bear, Isn't just burning her alive. She has like one a tiny little burns, mark on her forehead, and that's it. One of her burns heals itself. Yeah, like in like a second. <sighs> and Aurora runs away because she's told Aurora run because when you're being burnt, you can have really like not emotional. It's like un- I don't know how you're being burned and you underact the line, but she did. It's like Aurora <laughs> run, and there's a big. F- can CGI finish to this film. I don't know if you know this, but she wasn't actually being burnt. Yeah, Maleficent was played by a person. Called you know Angelina what? Jardine. The acting in this was so exquisite that I couldn't distinguish <laughs> between that and the fantastic animation I that was taking that. place. Um, and the wings are still alive, and I've just got this is bull. The wings are sentient. This is going to set a record for the number of bleeps I've got to do in an episode. Uh, Stefan attacks Maleficent and then instantly, in case we forget, takes his helmet off. That is him. Which would be important because at the end when she's going to like wrestle with him, you don't want her getting burned on his iron helmet. Because it's such a big deal. Everything needs to be iron. Here, this thing that's iron on my head, let me take it off. Mm-hmm. Um, he and could have goes, won with a headbutt. And then we got like hubris. How does it feel to be a fairy creature without worlds, in a, without wings in a world where you don't belong? And then we get the view of a shot and her face reacting. And we think she's been stabbed. But no, her wings have reattached. And apparently it's just like a USB stick. Like it just like goes. How the fuck <laughs> does she get wings? How? The wings are sentient. So did, did, did you? Yeah. Like so it pushes over. It's like they went, what can we do? We've kind of written ourselves into a corner. We'll just write yourselves right back out of it. The wings are alive. Wait, wait. That's so the wings are independent. Everything is if we need it to be. Wouldn't that be, like, really confusing and wouldn't make any sense to the rest of the story? Like, if the wings had flapped even once, because we see King Stefan staring at those wings day after day after day, if they had been moving, if they had been flickering, if they had been tremoring, if the box is, like, shaking a little bit, I'm okay with, I can get get behind this ending. Wait, are they the same wings? Yeah, Yeah, those are her wings. wings. I thought she grew wings again. No, no. No, no, because Aurora pushes the glass case over, it breaks, and frees the wings. Because after he gave them as a present to the king, I guess they decided we want to encase these. Don't burn. How many? If someone just discovered fire in this kingdom, like none of the problems exist. It's because all the fire in the kingdom CGI. It's just stupid. So even if, like Ellie said, they only move when they're near Maleficent, tell me that then. Like, show me a shot earlier of yeah. them w- waving. I know it does right before she pushes it over, but give me something. Give me when he because when they go, when she's, she's there here for the christening. Mm. How cool would that? Yeah, be? the, the wings the, are there when, then. Have yeah, twitch. And, and and he could have gone look at those. Those are your. But then she exactly. She that's a great point. She's got everybody right where she wants them at the christening. Yeah, where's my wings? Give me my wings. Give me my wings. Still... Well, they'd be flapping because they'd be around. Yeah, but she doesn't know. Well, she she seemed to know when they were the reattaching. Until... Well, you yeah, needed, when you they needed... were literally attached themselves to her you body, need... but she doesn't know they're in a different room. You needed something here. Yeah. You needed something to explain this away. Um, and in case, and there's backlighting that glorifies this moment. And then she's going to step out for a moment with the old balls and chain out the window. And out they go. And then she's ready to kill him. And then she decides, no. It's a Disney movie. I have to give you a chance. I'm Robin Williams. I'm Robin Williams. You're Dustin Hoffman. This is the end scene of Hook. It's over. I'm leaving. 
And which when he like goes in like goes ah, and he tries to tackle her. Which at this point I'm like, you're an idiot. He's like, oh, come here, you you little scamp. And she like sort of I don't know how this happened, but she he she sort of like swings her hips and he like goes th- flying over the side. But also when he's probably he... hit him with a cheekbone. Yeah. <laughs> When he touches her, surely he's still covered in iron, is he not? Well, we're not going to think about that right now. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, and so then we have the coda. So the sunrise comes over the kingdom, and Aurora is far away looking at the castle from the side of the moors. And the moors are nice again. It's like when um, Simba is now king of Pride Rock, and the like. the storm stops and everything turns green again. Oh, and like Tafiti gets her heart back. And I thought there was a wedding, and I went, now there's a wedding and it wasn't no no she's just gonna be a queen over both kingdoms now we were told at the start that the moors don't need a ruler right. and then we get so i've got in my notes now this whole place off um <laughs> and we were told at the start of the movie it was always prophesized that a hero or a villain would be the one to uh to to change our lands or to bring unity yeah. and turn it was a hero and, and a, villain. a villain and her name was maleficent and there's more backlighting, and there's an. And it's interesting because the theme for Maleficent plays, and it's both major key and minor key at, at different points to show the duality of Maleficent. Again, I quite like the. Score I like for this. the score, yeah. and the one thing is, and who am I? Oh, in case you didn't know, I'm Princess Aurora, but they called me Sleeping, Sleeping Beauty. Beauty, and this is about as effective as when in oh, what was it called? Threat Level Midnight. <laughs> <laughs> When you find out that the narrator is Michael Scarn. <laughs> and so that's, that's how no, the difference is that was supposed to be a joke, but this I was like, shut up. This is so stupid. That's how Maleficent should have ended. Everyone in the oh, moors is doing the scar. Everyone's doing the, the scar. Shake that hand. Go over to the, the hand. Tie some yarn, and that's how you do the scarn. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking it's about. It's the office. Um, and right. so uh, that's the movie. And so uh, while we all sort of decongest from that, we are trialing a new moment in the podcast this week called A Pause for the Parks. A Pause, a pause for the Parks. Huh. A friend of the podcast and regular listener, Andrew Ashevsky got a hold of us and was interested in maybe uh, having some of his thoughts be engaged with with our two parks experts. And what I have promised is we are going to give three minutes to discuss. Are you timing this? I am timing this. It is a pause for the parks. So the most salient points, if you would, talk about it, because at this point I am going to take a nap (laughs) because I know nothing about the parks. Brilliant. Okay. So we will start you off. A pause for the parks in three, two, one, as you would. Okay, so Andrew sent um, a lovely message through about um, Maleficent, specifically about the live action to begin with, but then does go into the original um, Sleeping Beauty. Probably because, as we've kind of, we haven't really said what Pause for the Parks is, so we're going to talk about the film's presence in different Disney parks and if there is any or what we thought should be more of them. And I will add that back to your time. Yes, we will. So that's what it is. Yeah. Um, And so he's mentioned that... um, Andrew thinks that Maleficent is one of the most recognisable Disney villains in the catalogue and shows up many times throughout the parks, ranging from meet and greet characters to whole parade floats, which I think... I would argue, even yeah. just from the iconography of She's what makes this important, yeah. Absolutely. Um, however, he's mentioned about how the live-action Maleficent film, there isn't very much at all. The, fi- the year it came out for Halloween, um, there was a Villains Unleashed event 
actually no sorry this was in august villains unleashed the live action maleficent was was there and for rock your disney side which was a 24-hour event in may 2014 she showed up there as well for meet and greets and for some fireworks and that sort of thing but other than that there was nothing else um traditional maleficent however shows up a lot still in the parks especially in paris where the castle is sleeping beauty's castle yeah she said that um and it's absolutely gorgeous um when we were there two years ago, um, they still have it in the parade now. They have a Malef- Maleficent parade um, float and it is the dragon and it's this big like steampunk-esque clockwork looking dragon, which is essentially a massive puppet. But in the head of the puppet sits this fire tank and every so often the dragon lifts its head up and fire shoots out and it is really, That's really cool. amazing. It's very, very cool. Um, underneath the, uh, yeah. the castle as well they have like they have a giant maleficent dragon that moves around as well sort of just sleeping and, and wakes it's up not every so often. it's not really that well advertised either so it's really quite a nice thing to go and discover in the underneath sleeping beauty's castle there is this cave that has got maleficent's dragon in it and it is this gorgeously massive animatronic it's amazing i really really like it um but yeah i think andrew's right in saying that every time i think what, what did he end it with it was a really lovely quote overall the mistress of evil shows up wherever villainy rears its head and it's always a pleasure to see her i was like no i agree with that it's well written andrew it's very it's very very well written english teacher approved um no and i'd agree with it she's definitely one of the most iconic villains i'd like i wish she was still green in this i don't think there's any reason why she is Ethan, anything from from the parks you want to chip in with that buddy we still have a little Um, bit of time from the clock yeah i i mean i i agree with most of that um the thing I always like is the, the meet and greet stuff. There's so many videos on uh, on YouTube of like people going into the parks and interacting with Maleficent, and she is she's so sarcastic and yeah. so like full of herself. It's fantastic. Yeah, we'll say she this... always has a line for, yeah. like for anyone, no matter what. This character we saw on the screen wasn't really funny or sarcastic. No. Bitter, mm. bitter, yeah. and bitter can be funny in a really cruel way. But this wasn't that. This wasn't sarcastic and funny. And only when she was directly speaking to the child. Yeah, parts yeah. Maleficent is often played by the same people that play um, uh, the Queen from Snow White, evil Queen from Snow White. So okay. they're very I similar looking. Yeah, you could definitely see how they could be. If you, could, if someone Obviously, told you Maleficent, they were like cousins or something, yeah. you'd be like, yeah, Maleficent right. doesn't show up as much because the makeup to make her green obviously is is more time consuming so she's not around as much as usually around at halloween but when she is out she is absolutely hilarious if you ever want a laugh google um maleficent disney parks meet and greet or something because she is hilarious all of the villains in the parks are so well trained and honestly it's a bit of a dream job i'd love to play a villain in the park they are absolutely hilarious and get to say pretty much whatever they want villains are fun to play ethan you ever play a villain in anything no, I haven't. Okay. I want to try it at some point. It's great fun. I'm I'm too cute. Ellie? Don't think so. Georgia? I mean, I'd argue that Laurie is the villain in Oklahoma. <laughs> 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 that would be a very interesting, like, Laurie, the, like, like give 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 Oklahoma the, like, Maleficent treatment. Yeah, yeah. But this isn't a musical theater podcast, but have you ever no. played any, a villain? Um, I've played, like... Villain sidekicks in a panto, but okay. not a proper villain. See, I've done a couple of jobs as yeah. a villain. It's, it's, it is quite fun. It, 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 it is good. Oh, reminds me. One of my first jobs while I was at uni, I worked for a children's entertainment party like company. Mm-hmm. My first shift with them that wasn't um, like host shift, it was a, it was a character shift. I played Maleficent. Oh, very cool. It was cool. a Halloween so, party. So you do some experience with the character then? I do, yes. Yeah. Okay, so just our usual. So thank you, Andrew, for uh, contributing to our pause for the parks and where things kind of fall in naturally, where those opportunities arise. Uh, we would definitely welcome uh, Andrew's going to be a semi regular contributor. 
Um, yeah, I'm looking so forward to it. That should be good. Yeah, yeah it's, me it's, and Ethan, I think, have you, been exposed. You really guys, like you parks. guys are yeah. parks experts. I really, I'm my role in that is just to go. Oh, really? And kind of things like that. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, role of women in this film. Very prominent. It's very yeah, prominent. It's Is just, it good? It's well, just one. It's just one woman, and then the child, and then the fairies that are a bit shit. So I mean, is she? And, and like Stefan's wife is a complete. So so the man exactly, is the typical. Ma- like every man in this film, with the exception of Prince Philip, is yeah. like evil. Yeah. Yeah. But 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 we've got Angelina Jolie just plays a very bitter woman who's bitter about being in many ways at first rejected by a man and then hurt then by a man. screwed over, yeah. I think she's a very strong character. Um, I think she she goes through a lot of different range of emotions and she has a lot of complexity to her. If- um, however, um, I've got a quote from Stella Morabito from the Fe- the Federalist... I'm assuming that's supposed to say Federalist. It's typoed it. Um, she said that uh, Maleficent lacks a single complex male character. It does! It really does. They're yeah. all bloody co- I argue it, it lacks second complex character. Full stop. Yeah. The next closest is, thing is to Aurora a, complex. The next no, closest thing to a complex character we get is Tifal Airfryer, and he's a crow half the film. So, yeah. which we I didn't think- talk. I want to come back to this. So Maleficent is underneath the iron chain, oh, and how she gets herself out of this we didn't mention. Is she just sort of like reaches her hand towards Tifal and goes. Dragon. dragon into a dragon into a dragon. Oh, I'm sorry. That really important part of the spell well, I missed is, off. This is just slightly because she also says is, into a man when okay. she first turns into, this into is, a man. So this it is, is her, just it's stupid. It's this so is lazy. just stupid. Oh, I guess she's not supposed to be a witch. Maybe that's the reason for it. She's supposed to just be a fairy, and fairies don't do spells. They just say what they want. But you need. I still iconography. don't like it. Curly fries. Yeah. Curly fries with cheese. Curly fries with cheese. I'd be the best so, fairy. I think, I think Maleficent is the most well-rounded character. Like she has uh, in this she, film. Yeah, she definitely oh, yeah. has. That's not like, hard though, is it? The, no. the, the, mo- the most sort of arc-based characterization, but that—that's comparing it to I angry man. Yeah. Her, yeah. Teehee, we fairies are kind of dumb. I am king. I am evil because I'm human. Therefore, I want to take over your land. Even the good kid, who's a thief, who's it's everything's just for one note anyway. Yeah. Favorite character is uh, favorite character. It has to be Maleficent because, like you say, none of the other characters have really got much of an arc to them. I'm going to go off board on that. Okay. I am. Anybody else want to say theirs? Or? I was going to go with Tifal. I'm going to go Tifal. Yeah. I genuinely quite like Tifal. You're going to go Aurora? Okay, so we do have some difference here. Okay, so uh, I'll say I like Tifal. Because he provided moments of legitimate... I didn't laugh, but I smiled a lot. And there was some legitimate other emotions there. Not very much, but there was like the moment where he, he ditches Maleficent because she's upset about something or yeah. that sort of thing. I there was, is something there. I was more... When he turns human, I was more interested in what was happening. Yeah. Uh, I, honorable mention to Child Aurora. In, in all of her guises, in all of in her all, guises, all of the different child yeah. When yeah, she turned yeah. sixteen, I got kind of bored with her. But before that, Ethan, you did not get bored of her. She was your vote. Yeah, I, I, I really like sort of her character throughout it. She play her actress plays her really, really like cartoonishly and over the top, which is really nice. Which is a nice contrast to you know Maleficent's just bitterness. So it was really nice seeing them play off each other in that, and I think 
I don't know how old she was in this, but she must have been really young. But she does a really good job playing off Angelina Jolie of all people. My only <sighs> issue is Aurora's change of being like, "Oh, you're all the evil in the world," to waking up and just oh, being like, "That was oh, so hello, bad, mother." It's just that was so bad. I understand why, because like Maleficent does her whole speech of "I will never leave you again," but it felt very sudden. Yeah. So she's does Aurora hear that while she's asleep? I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, this is the thing, is that Aurora's got to be the straight person. It, it's, it's almost like a comedy in the sense she's like a straight man, so one can be interesting. Yeah. But Aurora plays it too straight for me, and I was just like, I just... And then what do you do when, when Jolie's good? It's like you have two really, like, syrupy, sweet characters. I just couldn't care. It was, it was hard to be invested, I found. Uh, George, is there anything you want to add to my T-Fowl comment? No, I think we kind of back and forth it a little bit right. whilst you were doing that. So, um, favorite moment. This could be interesting. Favorite moment, favorite scene, favorite element of the film. Um, I think my favorite scene is when she wakes up and realizes her wings are gone, um, and the pain that she goes through, and the kind of the kind of, as she goes from realization to horror to screaming to like just completely withdrawn, like she's lost her entire identity. I think that bit's really well acted, and I really liked it. Okay. Uh, Georgia, something else? A scene, moment, element? See, the bit that Ellie said, I do like it and I appreciate it. And there's the story that Angelina Jolie apparently t- tells about it's the same. She, like, mustered the feeling of when she woke up from a mastectomy. Like, so, losing oh. something that important to your identity. Yeah. I, I just don't want to make her thing and link it to something male. I want to leave it as something female. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I like it, but I, I don't think it gets the... I don't think there's quite enough of it or it's, it goes too far one way. I don't know. It tried to be too real, I think, in okay. a film that's a predominantly a children's live action remake. Okay. Right, so I, I got it. I thought it was really good, but I don't think it fit in the oh. film we were watching. But things I did like, going back on um, back to the question you actually asked me, whilst you check the time because I've been speaking for too long, um, I like the score in this. And some of the lighting I like. But that's about it. Oh, and the baby Aurora. Okay. Ethan. I I really like um, Maleficent's turn. How, like, the, the lighting in that is so, so nice. And, like, the, 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 the whole green beam. The, just everything oh, that in that one, scene. Yeah. It's very perfectly encapsulated. And if the rest of the film continued like that, I, I would have loved it. But it's... I don't know if it's because of the, the format I saw it in, but it looks so, so good. And I feel it's almost practical and there's barely any CG in that scene. And I think that it complements her performance okay. and how she looks. Um, I'm glad George is talking about the score because now I don't have to. So good, good, good job, you. Um, my thing is going to be that the, out of all the problems I had with this film, and there were more than several, um, something I didn't have an issue with was... Uh, Maleficent falling for Aurora in like a totally okay way. When I say falling, I yeah. think it just mean her growing attachment because that felt organic and it real really did, and yeah. earned. That's really nice and do. it was nice moments intercut with these little kids with this you know, variety of child actors. And Jolie, I felt, was excellent acting off of them. Yeah, there's other and and, and, and you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for better or for worse, it's what it was. It was her name on the poster, and it was, this is the Angelina Jolie show. 
but she was very good in this situation. So I definitely am going to say um, Jolie acting off of the child actors was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go with is let's go with my little grumble at this point. My little grumble. Try and limit yourself to one if we can. <laughs> you don't set enough of these throughout. Well, okay, which one is the biggest one then? Which one is the one that you're going? My my chief problem with the film is this. Um, the script is quite stilted in places. In quite a few places, um, and I think it it has a an effect. I think the story of this this film is really lovely, and I really like the sentiment behind it. But there are quite a lot of moments where the script just makes you cringe a little bit. Okay, Georgia, the general inconsistencies. So whether that be with the magic, with the iron, with all of it, but there's just it's just the laziness of some of those inconsistencies just bugs me. Yeah, and although I did, I said overall I like the story. I have an issue with yeah. things like how does she get to the room? Yeah, yeah. That's something that should have been figured out in the story stage. Ethan, there's some weird like editing points throughout the film, just like the what, the, the weird zooms they do in fight scenes, and there's just some like strange sort of cuts like a bit too soon, and then like some weird audio every so often, but. I don't like the tonal shifts in this film because they go from like, oh, look at the wacky uh, fairies and look at like how cute it is, Aurora and Maleficent, like having these these little sort of moments. And then you go to like the king losing his mind. They like we we glossed over, but there are just scenes where he's talking to what it looks like no one. And he's just having these really disturbing conversations. Genuinely going mad. Isn't he talking to the wings? Yeah, to, to the wings. Yeah. And yeah. there's even points where he's like, wake everyone up, it's the morning, we're gonna go and find, like, all this. And you could take those scenes and put them in Game of Thrones or anything else, and I would not guess it. Uh, yeah, and I would not... Pardon? <laughs> I'm just laughing at the... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so you haven't seen it, keep going. <laughs> yeah, I, I would not, like, guess it's from Maleficent. And I think that's why it just it's so all over the place and like throughout the film that it doesn't have a consistent tone throughout. It's not like goofy life like harder. It just it's just pick a lane. Yep. Yep. And we definitely need to get you a pop filter for next week. <laughs> I think I have one somewhere. Okay, see if you can find one, yeah. Um And then we've got um for me, um, it's going to be – this is an Angelina Jolie showcase for better or for worse, and there are there are huge moments where it's for worse. And so much is sacrificed at the altar of making sure that uh, Jolie looks great. And not looks great as in the visuals. Oh, she looks fine. But the idea that this is her star-making turn. And look, the, the money speaks. And from a business perspective, well done, Walt Disney, because you guys did well. And people did talk about it. And it did make a resurgence of the Maleficent character into Disney culture or the wider pop culture once again. People started dressing up as her for Halloween and all that stuff. Who wouldn't have usually done that? It was a resurgence. So well done that. But it meant there were no other characters that were fleshed out. But it meant that the dialogue for other characters came off as stilted and stupid. It meant that we had bumbling scenes like three pixies who were in a panto rather than give anybody any depth. (laughs) And so I wanted anybody else to care about besides Jolie because although I felt her stuff was earned, she has to act off other people. Yep. (laughs) Well, you've got a very similar view there to some of the the main critic sort of reviews that I found. So um, Rotten Tomatoes gave this a 54%. Oh, really? Okay, that's lower um, than I thought so it would have been. So it's fairly low, okay. yeah. 
Um, and their critical consensus from them reads, uh, Angelina Jolie's magnetic performance outshines Maleficent's dazzling special effects. Unfortunately, the movie around them fails to justify all that impressive effort. And Pretty much right where I am. Yeah. Yeah. And Anne Hornaday from the Washington Post says, for all its limitations, Maleficent manages to be improbably entertaining to watch due solely to its title character. Yeah, I'd stop. Sh- yeah, it's, I mean, if, if you liked it, you're going to like it because of her. Yeah, and which is dis- exactly where I am. If you disliked it, you're going to go, even if she was all right, the movie can't make up for it. Yeah. and um, I don't think she's bad in this. No, she's not. I think she's great. She does um, good. Yeah. A fun little extra one. Richard Roper of the Chicago Sun-Times. Okay, I know Richard Roper. Okay, yeah. The story, not personally, <laughs> but, you know. The story itself might well put you into the same type of coma that befalls the heroine. <laughs> good shout, Richard Roper. Nice soundbite. Uh, so on that note, it is time for our ratings. So Ellie, I'm going to assume, based on what you've said, you've got a number in your head. So why don't you go ahead and uh, let us know? I have. I have given this film 7.5 inches of cheekbone out of 10. <laughs> That's quite good. Thank you very much. Um, I haven't had, didn't have time to think of anything witty. Um, I think it's a five and a half. Okay. Five and a half year old Aurora out of 10. Okay. I'm giving it five undiscarded spinning wheels out of ten. Oh, you just stole my little thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only one I can think of. I'm going to give it four self-healing iron scars. Nice, nice, nice. Out nice, of nice. ten. Uh, I will call this a bad movie. And Ooh, I will wear I'm that. I'm going to compare this to Attack of the Clones, which is you have a really interesting story, but it's really poorly executed. This is a bad film. In my, yeah. in my perspective, this is a bad film. Uh, I was up for it. Now, on that note, there is a sequel. Is there anybody who's looking forward to watching a sequel of this? No. Yes. No. See, no. I happened to see part of the like action sequence whilst I was at a friend's house because he had it on on Disney Plus. Yep. Um, and actually, the action sequence looked quite nice. Oh, okay. But it's possible that this is one that maybe the second one when you're when you actually have to break new ground, and, and that's interesting. What can you do yeah. when it's new? But what can you do when it's new and you don't have the benefit of turning Jolie evil again? But and the film the is called point. Mistress of Evil, so that's just a celebration of her being like, yeah, I don't yes. know, you really can. I- I think I saw a trailer and it's like, Maleficent, you can't do this again, but I will. Um, dun, 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 dun. All right. If that is, I'm I'm stepping away. You're stepping away. Oh, God. <laughs> wow. I right. look forward to reviewing that on the podcast. There's so my next pick. With that in mind, oh, geez. <laughs> so with that in mind, speaking of next picks, Georgia, you have the next pick and we have no idea what you're choosing. So Neither did I until we started recording because yes. I hadn't looked. Um, so... I was kind of in a bit of a pickle because I was like, what do we choose? Because we know what we're doing next week after my pick because it's one that's coming out, so we have to do it. Um, and we've just done a big name, big name one in Moana. Yeah. And so I was like, so I can't do another princess film. Can't really do another live action remake. Can't really do it because we're doing that in a couple of weeks. So I went, right, okay. I'm going to stay live action, but it's not a remake. It is a Disney original live action. Okay. It's based off the Jules Verne novel of the same name. Oh, wow. We are doing 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Wow. How old is this? 1954. Wow. We are going classic old school Disney. Yeah. One of my favorite pieces of like park stuff at Disney Yeah, there's some some really lovely park stuff in Paris for this. So, Andrew, there you go. Um, You'll have an opportunity to contribute. Um, I have no experience with this at all. I have the, the only book. the only experience I have with this is it's referenced heavily in Back to the Future Three. 
Yeah. That's the only experience I have with this. I know literally nothing about it. So I am looking forward to that. Yeah, I've read about the first fifth of the book, the Jules Verne novel, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, and was really enjoying it. But there is a lot of nautical talk in it. So it was quite hard to... It's not like a bedtime reading type book. It is something... It's a classic novel. You have to be in the right mood to read it. But hopefully I'll go back and read it again, probably after I've watched this. So I was really enjoying it. So hopefully... So you've not seen the film before? I've not seen the film before, no. All right. So looking forward to that for next week. So please join us next week when we tackle Jules Verne's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. For Talking to Mickey, I've been Ian. I've been Ellie. I've been Ethan. And I've been Georgia. And don't forget to shake that hand, tie that yarn, and that's how you do the scarn. We'll see you next time. You jump to the right and you shake a hand And you jump to the left and you shake that hand You meet new friends, you tie some yarn And that's how you do the scar You jump to the right and you shake that hand And you jump to the left and you shake that hand Meet new friends, tie that yarn That's how you do the scar For Talking the Mickey, I have been Ian I've been Ellie I've been Ethan And I've been Georgia And remember, tie that hand Oh, damn it So for Talking the Mickey, I have been Ian I've been Ellie I've been Ethan. Yeah, you have been. So please join us next week. So I'm so used to saying it, I've been Ethan. Yeah. So please join us next week when we tackle 10,000, 20,000? How many leagues are we going to see? 20,000. This is going to be the absolute, like, these are all my coders. I can feel it coming. I promise we're not doing this on purpose, folks. You guys, I think I have my self confidence back.